Howdy, yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edge Hill. And today we're the heroes you deserve. But not the ones you need right now. So stop wearing hockey pants. Why so serious? Because today we're bringing you The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight was released July 18th, 2008. That's 3,847 days ago for you counting on a $185 million budget, which might seem like a lot, but it made $1.005 billion worldwide, which was the winner in the DC world until Dark Knight Rises took over and then Aquaman just passed that. Uh, it got a 94 critic and audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and 84 on Metacritic, and it is the number three film on IMDb's top 250. That Even sounds correct. Yes, those are all true. Now, now, Today we are joined by none other than the foremost expert on comic books. Oh no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from NerdSync, Scott Nicewander. Hi, how's it going, everybody? I am the uh, the world's most experienced comic book expert. Ask me anything. Go for it. I can answer it without failure. Without fa you've read every no issue research of whatsoever every character. That's right. I know your, every. I've memorized every panel that's ever been printed in every comic book. Your weekly pull list is insane. Yes, bring it on, <laughs> nerds! I in got addition. you. Beat. <laughs> no, no. Prepare for this video. I have to read eight thousand comic books. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just Batman. That's right. <laughs> Scott is joining us. He's from NerdSync. He is wonderful and hilarious and, and just an all-around wonderful human being. We're so excited to have him. Uh, before we get on Scott's takes on anything, we want to hear from the professionals. Ethan, did were you able to find a negative review I, on this I, film? I was. Uh, Ryan Gilby of The New Statesman says, Too much psychology and not enough pop. It's possible to be too serious, you know. And that's it. That's, that's all, all I had to say. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there was a longer review. I think his score was like a 1.5 out of 4. 1.5? Whoa, that is brutal. As far as positive reviews for this film go, I mean, just open Twitter on any given day. Um, <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> uh, but the one that I want to pull out is from Marcianne Miller from Bold Life out of Hendersonville, North Carolina. Uh, they say, a film is only as good as its villain. By that standard, The Dark Knight achieves true greatness. Mm -hmm. Now, I actually do have small issue with what Marcianne says here. Not in that the Joker is a bad villain. The Joker is perfect in every way. But this movie is like 50% about the Joker and 50% about the triad of Gordon, Batman, Harvey. Yes. And I love Harvey Dent, but... Harvey Dent. I, can we trust can him? We tr <laughs> can we trust him? Can we trust him? Let's let that elephant out of the bag real quick. This yeah. movie gave us the full-on Christian Bale growl yes. from Batman. Yes, Having just watched the ba Batman, the Batman Begins, having watched Batman Begins last week, it was such a stark comparison that I don't think I'd ever noticed before. Mm -hmm. Where like I was like, oh man, this is this is where it comes from. Not that movie. It's this movie. This is where people make the jokes. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting to me because like I don't remember it being as it, it's still very silly to me, and I don't remember it being as silly watching it for the first time. I was like, 
oh, that's kind of cool. He's got the because I remember they the big reason they casted uh, Christian Bale as Batman was because he brought that voice thing to his audition, and they're like, oh, that's good. Like he that's understands cool. yeah, that yeah. there's a difference between the Bruce Wayne voice and the Batman voice. And I don't know. It just it's it's there are some lines that Batman says that are like really good lines, but because they're delivered by like this city is full of people ready to believe in God. <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's it's just kind of silly. Well, I mean, but but you got to think about the time when Batman Begins came out. Not maybe Batman Begins when the Dark Knight came out, which is three thousand eight hundred forty-seven days ago. It's a long time ago. The world. Oddly had- enough, three thousand eight hundred forty-seven is my third favorite number. Dude, same. Whoa, what are <laughs> yeah. the odds? It's the wildest thing in the world. <laughs> Man, you guys are crazy. My third favorite number seventeen. Get out of here. Weird Get out of here. Ugh. I guess even third favorite. That's weird. Mm. Well, my uh, my first favorite number is forty nine thousand two hundred forty seven. That's a go. good that's one. Much more that's pretty. That's good. what I had on my football jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was when I played little league baseball. I was number forty nine thousand two hundred forty seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, but anyway, like the 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 world had seen at this point two superhero movies that even came in the same ballpark. And the thing is, nobody saw Batman Begins. Like. It, Hardly anybody saw it in theaters. They had potentially more seen it by the time this movie came out. But, like, I, I you know, I, I don't even remember if I had seen it. I think I just kind of went into this one cold. I, yeah, I remember going into this one thinking it was the first. Oh, interesting. So, like, when, because when this came out in 2008, I was 15. But, like, Iron Man had just come out two months earlier. Kicking off the MCU, which is yeah. like the only other superhero movie in existence at this time on this day in 2008, 2008 that I think could even be in the same ballpark other than Batman Begins. Like, because it's not oh, going to be. Disagree. It's not Daredevil. It's not any of the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like, so th- that's where I'm. That's where I disagree with you. I think that, like, to me, this was taking the Raimi Spider-Man films and making them not not Spider-Man three so much, but Spider-Man one and yeah. two, and making them that much better. Right, but and we this is, but we had never seen anything whole... on that like on this level of like wow, this is a superhero a movie and a movie yeah so i think it, it was a lot easier for people to forgive the like the ridiculous i'm not wearing hockey pads yeah I, this movie to me feels it, this is not by any stretch an original opinion that i'm gonna say but like this movie feels to me like it's just a crime thriller that just so happens to have superhero elements into it but like at its core it's just a crime thriller that's right like super fun and interesting and, and it has a lot of cool themes that they explore and, and it definitely does and to that fact is like you could you could almost take batman out of it i mean you'd have to rewrite the movie but like this could be a movie about harvey dent and jim gordon chasing down the joker yeah yeah it could Ugh. with yeah. a little bit of help from the you you know, residential eccentric multi-billionaire. Of course, yeah. You need somebody to fund the operation. I will right. say, speaking of speaking of like the MCU, I was thrown off a little bit having that uh, that acronym like associated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, as was I. And then throughout this movie, they refer to the Major Crimes Unit as the MCU constantly, and I'm like, I know, oh, it's throwing me I, off. <laughs> we was a hold him at the MCU. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm like, uh, what's happening? That's Tony not Stark's your property downtown. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Joker's at the MCU. Is he really? The crossover's happening? Yeah. <laughs> Finally! <It's real. laughs> oh, oh, we can, can only you, dream that that Can you happen. imagine Tom Holland's Spider-Man 
fighting Heath Ledger's Joker. I could not imagine that, like, but I would love to. I, I mean... It's just a totally different kind of hero that spawns the Joker. Yeah. Right, yeah, well, I mean, they make that point, what, 74,986 <laughs> times in this movie? When Alfred ever, our present Greek chorus, to sit mm -hmm. there and be like, now, Master Wine, you really messed this one up. You spit on Gotham's criminals, and this is what happens. Well, that's what... Okay, so I had a lot... Of, I took a lot of notes for this movie, and I don't know when we just want to jump into it, but, like, oh, we're, that we're is... In. We, we've, Perfect. We've dove in, divin, dived, dived is the word. Divin I was is pretty for. good. I divin. like divin a lot. Divin. <laughs> um, no, but that was something that I found interesting because I think one of the major themes of this movie is that Batman and Joker are two sides of the same coin, which is what makes the introduction, the, the inclusion of Two Face, really interesting as well because it mm. just kind of fits that metaphor. But like. Right. So they, they talk, Joker says a lot that, that kind of idea of, you know, you're just a freak like me or something like that. He's trying to say that Batman and him are the same. And so when Alfred delivers that whole speech about like the reason why Joker's around is because Batman squeezed and hammered the, the criminals so much that they turned to a person they didn't fully understand. That could easily reflect Gotham City in general where the city was, you know, driven so crazy by the criminals that they turned to Batman, a person that they don't fully understand. And I find right. that That really is absolutely true. And then they, they don't continue to not fully understand him during the movie and think that he's the problem. Yes. I mean, it's it's so interesting to me. I, I it's also you know, the famous interrogation scene. I think is really really great because you, as Joker's delivering that whole line about like you're just a freak like me, we're the same. It's in a room that is surrounded. It, it's it's covered in mirrors, so it's like it's visually it's telling the audience as well like these two are the same. It's Here's, covered in mirrors and black and white tile. Yeah, you know, so it's like <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so smart. Yeah, it's great. I have a lot of interesting things. Like I, I just I saw this movie with like a more critical eye this time around, and I think one of the things that stood out to me about that scene is how they shot Batman as this very still, very static, uh, almost statuesque kind of thing, while the Joker is like, you know, his body language is all over the place, kind of waving right. around, and the the camera focus on Batman is sharp. It's in focus. He's never he's never not in focus. Whereas with the Joker, because he's moving around. A a lot it's hard for like the the person pulling focus to keep track of Heath Ledger's movements and I always go into like analyzing a film just giving the benefit of the doubt that everything is intentional even if it's not I like right. to give the artist that that kind of credit so the fact that Joker is sometimes subtly out of focus in that whole thing is fun for two reasons number one because they start that whole interrogation with Joker saying like you know when you go for the head first the victim gets all fuzzy so it's like ha visual kind of addition onto oh, that yeah but also the fact that his motivations as soon as he comes into focus he goes out of focus and i think it's i think it's a visual interpretation of the character where it's like what does he actually want we think we know what he wants but what does he want he's always going all over the place and yeah i, I don't know i i give credit to that because i think that's just a, uh, a clever bit of visual well, yeah and i mean well, for... and then what, one of the other things that i love is that even the writing anytime the joker goes on one of these monologues where you think he's going to really reveal his motivations where he's like you know i'm just a dog chasing a car yeah. or or something like that, yeah. but they've already set up earlier in the film that he's just going to lie to whoever he's talking to to oh, make yeah. the Right, because he's got a different story work. for the scars every time. Yeah, right. and, and even in that interrogation scene where he tells Batman, like, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Meanwhile, his introduction was him saying, I'm going to kill Batman. So it's right, like... We 
what does he? Batman. Yeah, it's like what does he actually want? It's so unclear, and it's gonna. I think it's great. I think that's the way that he played him was uh, flawless. It was incredible. Oh but, my god, yeah, it was amazing. And, and you gotta, you gotta think that uh, just to touch on something you touched on with with all the focusing and everything, you gotta think that like every move that Christopher Nolan makes in a Christopher Nolan movie is intentional because yes. like I know, I know a lot of times, and people were calling me on this in our Discord server when we did the when we talked about Batman Begins that like you that I'm giving too much credit to the director and like I want to make it clear that Christopher Nolan has used two directors of photography forever for all of his movies mm. so like it's literally Chris and one guy and a camera like this is it, the, the closest thing is like written directed produced you know by the same guy and then, and then one guy behind the camera essentially like it is as close as we're going to get to an artist painting a picture in a movie. Yeah. It's like everything is intentional. And like a lot of that comes and you can notice it because in, in every Christopher Nolan movie, I've been pointing this out for the last three weeks. There's that one shot that they pick in the movie that is like egregiously overused. We talked yeah. about in Interstellar. It's every time they stick the GoPro on the outside of a vehicle and just give us that little context shot. Mm -hmm. In Batman Begins, they keep just overlaying the bats over everything. <laughs> And this one, this one had the, we're going to do a slow circle at eye level around I, a group of yes. people talking, <laughs> and we're going to suddenly stop just past where we need to be, and then just hard cut back to where we're supposed to be to who's about to talk. Yes. I noticed that too, and I was trying to think if there, if there was some sort of thematic tie between all the scenes where that happened, but it was kind of hard to find one. I just thought, oh, it's kind of neat. Because I was looking I for know. the exact same thing. I don't yeah. think that exists. I think that's just like them being like, this would look really cool here I as a storytelling say, device. And then they get back to editing and they're like, crap, we did that for every shot. Oh, we did that all the time, didn't we? I will say one of the scenes they do that for is is with Gordon and Dent and Batman on the roof. And they're talking yes. about going to get Lau. And mm -hmm. I never noticed this before, but this is such a subtle dialogue exchange um, that really adds a lot to Dent's character. Because throughout the film already, Dent has shown that he really dislikes Gordon's cops. He doesn't trust them. He thinks they're all corrupt. Um, he said that like three times. He's He always points out, even in that scene, he talks about how Ramirez, he almost got Ramirez for um, racketeering or something, you know? So he's constantly shoving in Gordon's face that like, you know, your your men are corrupt. And then Gordon points out in this scene, you know, the fact that Lau escapes means that somebody in your office is corrupt. And Harvey doesn't say anything. He just changes the subject. Like there's a beat and he's just like, Right. Whatever. What do you think, Batman? And I think that, <laughs> I think that adds so much to his character as Harvey Two Face. And I think that because I don't think they ever explained why the cops called him that, but I think that's like a subtle clue. Is like, oh, well, clearly he only cares about these oh, people man. over here. And, and Harvey men. Dent has has public image down to a science. Yeah. You know, and it, but clearly behind the scenes, you know, the cops don't really like him. The rest of the DA's office, except Rachel, of course, doesn't really like him. Yeah. You know, even the mayor gets like choose him out he like puts 500 people behind bars and the mayor's like why did you do that this is not going to work the way you think it is yeah <laughs> yeah oh. the mayor richard from lost yes <laughs> what a what a beautiful acting uh, uh uh casting decision on that part um i'll tell you one thing we, we've talked about this a lot and i'll say uh this movie reminds me a lot in terms of cinematography and storytelling of like prisoner of azkaban like there's the big argument with prisoner of you azkaban say that it's every like, i just want to point this out real quick you say every movie that's in any way shot well at all your first instinct on this show is to be like well this reminds me of prisoner of azkaban well, do you know why because you're about men. to say the same thing about like because you know you really just feel like the camera is a character no that's actually not what i was gonna say it was more um the camera being the character is what is 
not similar, but it is expert cinematography and storytelling made simple. Mm. So you've got like, you know, you introduce Harvey Two-Face early on and you've got, uh, you, you make it easy for the watcher where you, like we were saying before, where the Joker tells the same story, but differently yeah. over and over again so that you know you can't trust his motives. You've got that really and, obvious expositional moment of like, okay, Maggie Gyllenhaal is Rachel Dawes now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The actress has changed, which for me watching this for the first time, I was, or, you know, not knowing it was a sequel. Oh, right. like, you know, and, and that's the thing that is you don't even like... notice it when you're watching it the first time, but then you look back at it and you're like, okay, that was kind of like a weird, that would have been a weird scene if they didn't change the actress. Right. <laughs> I just, I love the grim foreshadowing line where Harvey asks Alfred, like, you've known Rachel her whole life. And he says, not yet. It's oh, like, I know. Oh, like watching oh it the first time, you're just like, oh, that's a funny line. Watching it every time after you know what's going to happen is like, oh, boy. Oh, gosh. She is going to die. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, um, but I, I think that that's one of the most um, brilliant moments of the film for me is when Batman is going to rescue who he thinks is Rachel, but he finds Harvey there instead because the way it's shot, the cinematography for that moment is brilliant. Batman busts down the door and in your eye instinctively goes to the middle of the frame and there's nothing there. So it gives you a brief moment of, all right, cool. I think Batman has arrived on time. And then by the time your eye shifts to find that it's actually Harvey laying on the ground, you start to hear him yell no as well. And it's shot from the perspective of Batman. So it just, I don't know. There's just like this little beat of time where you're thinking everything's fine and then you realize that it's Harvey along with Batman realizing that it's Harvey and it's just genuinely heartbreaking every single time. Right. And oh, I know. and then you get that moment where, you know, Harvey's like, Jim, we could have saved Rachel if you just listen to me and Jim's like, listen, Harvey, Fortnite, you man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the police commissioner. You're not going to tell me to do how to do my job, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, so, so Scott, are, are we've consistently had a list of, well, not a list, but we, we rank our villains in movies yeah. on a scale of the greatest villain, villain ever being Heath Ledger's The Joker and the worst mm. villain ever being Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face because <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face continues to flip the coin until he gets whatever he wants. Right. And I had forgotten the detail of Harvey's coin getting burned. Yeah. And when I saw they had the two-sided coin, I was like, oh, no, this Harvey has the same problem. We've been selling a lie for like a year and a half now. <laughs> there was a brief moment of panic where I was like, oh, Harvey Dent are like this. Tommy Lee Jones is actually the greatest villain ever. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's not. He, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. But, like, Harvey starts in his whole, like, you make your own luck thing, and he goes to flip the coin the second yeah. time, and Batman grabs the coin. It's just like, give my chance to decide whether a man lives or dies. Yeah. I I love that whole bit. It's so it's so, it's so, so fun to see um, Harvey unravel throughout the film. I think Aaron Eckhart needs to be in more things. Is he is he not in as many things as I would like him to be in? He is he's, not in as many in things, things as you would like him to be in. Although, if you would like to watch... Uh, Aaron Eckert give this exact performance just minus the little end bit with all the murdering you go watch uh thank you for smoking by Jason Reitman Ooh. he plays Nick Naylor who is a tobacco industry salesman and is literally the exact same character fascinating who just slowly unravels into a slightly different kind of madness the entire time <laughs> oh that sounds fun I'll tell you this maybe it's Aaron Eckert's fault maybe it's Maggie Gyllenhaal I didn't feel any connection any chemistry between those two characters whatsoever yeah so when, when, you know, Two-Face goes on this murder spree mm -hmm. over his beloved Rachel Dawes, to me it was like, 
Oh, you really did care about her. Oh, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal's fault. She is an awful actress. Oh, you be nice to Maggie Gyllenhaal. I'm sorry. Did you hear her delivery of that voiceover for the letter? <laughs> I have this yes. problem. I have a lot of. I have this problem a lot with movies that do this. Like someone is deceased or not present, and we're gonna read a letter by them in their voice. And Maggie mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal's just like Bruce. I never loved you the way I loved Harvey. I was never going to leave him for you. Sorry, bud. And it's just come so flat and boring, and like I didn't feel it. I didn't feel any connection between her and Bruce at that point. Oh, I know. No. I think Alfred definitely made the right choice of burning the crap out of that letter. Yeah, I I will say there are parts of this movie that really make, and I think it's intentional, uh, that really make Bruce Wayne out to be like a huge scumbag. Because, like, the point, like, the fact that he's trying to steal her away from from Harvey Dent throughout all of his actions, like, it's very almost, it's just, it's kind of selfish. Like, you know, he could be Batman and continue, but he's like, actually, Harvey could kind of jump in front of the bullet here, and then I could get with Rachel in the end. That sounds pretty good to me. Like, I don't know, it's just not very... I do like Rachel. Yeah, Yeah, why does he go to save... I mean, I get why he goes to save Rachel, mm-hmm. and you know it ends up being Harvey. But like, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't Batman save Harvey Dent? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Bruce like, Wayne wouldn't. <laughs> right? And you, is that congratulations? The there's the the message of this movie for you. Yeah, <laughs> is that like sometimes you just have to be Batman and not Bruce Wayne? Yeah. You know, always, his problem is that he always wants to be Batman. Although people give Christian Bale crap for his performance as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we get enough Bruce Wayne time. Because every time he's Bruce to me, I, I think he's great. I think so, too. I, I think I cannot separate him from Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely, I like, I am expecting, just be, it's, it's especially in this movie, I think, it's the hair, the way they do his hair. Ah. And he just, he's got that big Christian Bale smile on his face a couple times where I'm like, yeah. this guy is about to whip out an axe and stick it through someone's face. Like, especially that's how when, Harvey becomes Two-Face. Yeah, I mean, especially when he's doing his, like, fake party boy kind of the- shtick as well. <laughs> yeah, like, the- I'm laughing because you're going to give me money. Oh. I believe in Harvey Harvey Dent. Dent. Yeah. (laughs) Good slogan, Harvey. Like that kind of stuff. His delivery. But really, I believe in Harvey Dent. (laughs) (laughs) He's Gotham's white knight. Yeah. Uh, Scott Nicewander. That's my name. Foremost expert on comic books. That's correct. That's what it says on my Wikipedia page. Does it really? No, I don't have Uh, one. (laughs) Oh, not yet. I was about to go edit the crap out of that and take a screenshot. (laughs) Let me tell you, this audience not big enough to make that happen either but <laughs> um yeah we we also do not have wikipedia pages um, that sounds like a call now, to action i i want to know from a, a comics perspective mm-hmm. what what this is assume i know nothing because let me tell you what i know mm. nothing oh okay that's uh, what i assume yes <laughs> very good but i didn't want you to make a fortnight out of yourself i appreciate so I'm, that I'm, I'm allowing you to assume i know nothing uh tell me sort of what this comes from how it sticks to source material how it improves upon source material which i know in the comic world is like blasphemy to say that the movie movie could possibly have improved upon it maybe it is (laughs) no and and in what ways it does not improve in what ways is it uh you know was it better in its original uh, medium 
Yeah, so this this takes from a couple different stories and kind of meshes them together in really interesting ways. I think a lot of the Joker stuff, to me, seems to come from uh, The Killing Joke, which is like a huge seminal comic book uh, where the Joker kidnaps Commissioner Gordon and tries to corrupt him the same way that... Because he believes that he and Batman are the same. They're just two people who had one really bad day and that turned them into um, the people they are. In Joker's eyes, he and Batman are both crazy and he wants to prove that anybody can be crazy from just one really bad day. And that's kind of, instead of using Commissioner Gordon like they did in the comic, they used uh, Harvey Dent here by trying to, you know, Joker delivers that whole line about like, you know, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. And so that's kind of a similar theme. Uh, from that comic. Uh, a lot of Harvey's stuff, I think, comes from the comic Year One, um, which is a really interesting, it's it's very, er you know, it's early Batman, obviously, it's Year One, um, and it deals a lot with, like, the mob-related stuff, and there's a really, I think Harvey in that comic, it's been a while since I read it, so I could be confusing it with other stuff, um, but you know, in this movie, our big introduction to Harvey is that court scene where he almost gets shot, um, in the comic, I think, instead of being shot, someone throws acid on his face, which is how he gets two-faced. That's how that whole thing works. That's um, how it's happened in several of the movies. Or, well, yes. I guess not several of the movies. That's how it happened in the other movie where he's in. Yes, correct. Um, and so I, I actually like the way that the Dark Knight did it better because the, the acid in the face from just like a random mid-level or low-level thug is fine but it's not as meaningful or as impactful as like it happening because of like that whole crazy scenario yeah, because rachel dawes dies exactly and like it's meaningful it means something uh and I also like that they changed that. They still kept the essence of that scene where he's like attacked in a courtroom, but they made they changed it in this movie to show that he's awesome. Like you know, like he almost right. he almost gets killed, and he he fights back, delivers some cool one-liners, and then like as they're about to usher the the criminal off, he's like, "But I'm not done with him." Yeah, I'm and not done cross-examining like the man who just yeah. tried to kill me. And then he gets like a, a standing ovation or whatever. So like I. Mm. I I love that introduction to the character in this film. I think that's a big improvement for me. Awesome. Now, uh, building on that, unless, Ethan, you have any questions. I do not. I just have a random inserted factoid here. Mm. Uh, Scott, you may not have a Wikipedia page, but according to FamousBirthdays.com, you're the 82nd, thousand two hundred or 978th most popular person. That is my fourth favorite number. Heck yeah. I the, do know. You're the number 15 most famous Virgo named Scott. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Uh, and you met Mark Ruffalo. That's correct. <laughs> that is go. that is what I learned about you from this, that you're from I, the United States and that you yes. met, you once met Mark Ruffalo. There has been other info on there I've seen before that's been incorrect. So I don't know if people have changed it or not. Well, like, there, 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 there is other some... info, but it's stuff I'm not going to reveal about you. Even there, if there was true. like stuff about like a number of siblings that I had. I was like, that's not true. I have many more siblings, but yeah, it's it not says important. You have, it says you. I'm not going to leave this in here, but it says you have a sister named Haley and a brother. Uh, yes, I have four brothers and two sisters, but that's <laughs> that's all good. I do know that I share a birthday with um, Billy Ray Cyrus, and 
Um, uh, uh, Sean Connery was the one that I liked a lot. There you what go. What birthday is that? August 25th. Oh my gosh. My heart almost stopped. My baby is due August 29th. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's There's a awesome. solid chance that your baby could have the same birthday as Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> but more importantly, <laughs> Scott Nicewander from Sync. Scott Nicewander. Much more famously, at least That's in the right. circles I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're behind uh, that so- dude from the Pentatonics and the <laughs> other Malloy brother from Ocean's Eleven and a bunch awesome. of other people I've never heard of. <laughs> but anyway, Scott, following up on comics and uh, characters and everything. Now, my understanding is that Rachel Dawes was introduced for this trilogy. I think so. I don't recognize her too much from the comics. In fact, hold on, let me take that back because I am a comic book expert. So let me say wholeheartedly, definitively, without doing any research other than the research that I do every day, all night, uh, is (laughs) that, yes, she was only created for this movie. And anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong because I'm the expert. That's right. Well, this movie and Batman Begins. Yes, correct. So she has not been introduced in comics since then uh no yes definitely not i say confidently (laughs) Uh, this is not a test this is okay (laughs) uh do you from your impression is she sort of based on any character does she like strike you as like a selena kyle or anything like that i I have no idea what i'm saying so yeah no no i i get what you i don't know it's it's hard because it's it's odd to me that they would pick that character uh, or that they would like create a character because Batman has other um, you know love interests that he that could fit that role. I think Vicky don't they Vale all is a end up one. being like super villainesses though? I don't think Vicky Vale does. She's just a reporter, but that might be too similar to like. But a does Lois she Lane. die yeah. a hero? Yeah. Mm, that's the question. Does, does she, she be- die a hero or live long enough to see herself become the villain? Oh, that's good. I think we should use that line in every trailer ever for Bat- <laughs> for Dark Knight. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think I I do like the character. I know they've done Vicky Vale in previous Batman movies, so maybe they just didn't want to retread. Gra- well, they used the Joker for, and Two Face for this. What am I saying? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't use the Joker. Like yeah, that's true. Because this is awesome. <laughs> this is like across cinema. Yeah. This is one of the greatest performances of all time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It was so yeah. good that, and like Michael Caine's been in a ton of stuff, but it's mm. so good that Michael Caine forgot his lines that he was supposed yeah. to say when the Joker walks into the into Wayne Manor. That was the first time that Michael Caine had ever seen Heath Ledger in his life. And apparently yeah. he was so terrified that he just forgot whatever he was supposed to say. Yeah. You know, I, I've heard that and I don't, I, I don't know if, that's been very because I know there are other like rumors and stuff that that I've personally debunked on my channel about this movie, but I haven't Ooh. looked into that one. Um, but that it, it, when you watch that scene where they go into that party um, through that lens, it's actually really interesting to see just how much Heath Ledger is just like genuinely going around the room, being like, "Where's Harvey? Do you know who Harvey is?" Have you heard of Harvey? What's doing? And it just like stays on him for a little bit long as he wanders around. So it, I don't know. It just kind of makes sense that that would be true. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, what I love about that scene is that uh, speaking of the mirroring of, of Bruce and the Joker yeah. or Batman and the Joker is that like they walk into the party with the exact same line. Where's Harvey Dent? Oh, yeah, that's good. I didn't notice yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're the same. They sure are. Yeah. I got got the impression from the filming of this movie that basically any time Heath Ledger was in the room, they had the cameras on and on him. Just in case. Because there was a scene at the end where they, not at the end, but when he's in the the holding cell in the MCU where he's just clapping. Which is like an iconic little gif now. Mm -hmm. Or gif. Yeah. 
I, I know, I, 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 say, I say I know, but again, like, I, I've heard that for some of the scenes where he's, like, doing the handheld, like, camcorder stuff and, like, torturing the little Batman victim guy, Brian, I think his name is Brian, um, you know, where he's doing that whole, like, are you the real Batman? No. no. <laughs> yeah, I've, I heard for that, they just gave him a camera and they were just like, just do whatever you want, man. And, like, I do. Oh my, I believe that that is a confirmed thing. I think that, yeah. that Christian Bale has admitted that. Yeah, they basically just were like, here's a set and a Sony Handycam. Yeah. Go nuts, buddy. It's so good. It's so good. Huh. I, I love I love that. And, you know, speaking of, like, again, having Batman and Joker kind of be mirrored in a way, one of my favorite sequences from the film is the uh, the transport sequence where they're taking Joker to somewhere else. And... Uh, or no, they're taking Harvey in and Joker. Yeah, and they and go Joker's. to Lower Fifth, and they're underground for like six miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that sequence for a couple reasons. Like, number one, there's there's only like three musical stings, but for the most part, it's completely um, absent of any music. It's just all the sound effects and the dialogue, and that makes it feel mm-hmm. very tense. Um, oh, I mean, I yeah. Think that's really cool. There's a lot of parts of this movie that just borrow straight from like good horror movies. Yeah. That that being one of those where like you know something bad's about to happen, but it's yes. not in a way that like sort of gives it away. It's just like you you see because it's that they there's the silent not silent, but there's yeah, just this the scoreless scene of them driving by yes. the burning fire truck. Yeah. And you're just like, Man, these guys are hosed. Yep. Yeah. Something's going Something down. Not good is gonna happen. But what I love is um there were there were two special features about these like sound cues. So Joker's theme is like a series of notes that just keeps rising and rising and rising. And the bat pod, the engine, it never shifts gears. It just keeps rising and rising and rising. So the fact that that whole sequence is silent except for the bat pod's engine rising constantly, consistently, forever, indefinitely. And then when they get to the showdown between Joker in the street and Batman on the bat pod, bat pod driving at him joker's score comes in along with the bat pod so it's the two of them each have their own sound cue that's just continuously rising and rising and rising and as they're about to uh you know fight each other and it's i don't know it it symbolizes that line that joker even says at the end where he's like this is what happens when an uh, unstoppable force meets an immovable object and like we saw what happened in the street joker was gonna be the immovable object he wasn't going anywhere batman the unstoppable force but instead we saw who won that exchange batman was like can't do it can't go can't do it well that was because that's joker's only goal is to make batman break his rule yeah he lives on chaos that's all he cares Mm -hmm. about yeah so good i just love that the audio of that scene is really cool also i found it really interesting that like i don't know if this was intentional it feels again i like to give credit to the artist and say that everything is intentional but like the fact that batman destroys the uh the tumbler by trying to save people from danger by like sacrificing the car like you know using the car to jump in front of a rocket uh and the fact that bruce wayne destroys a lamborghini trying to save you know get in the way of of someone about to you know crash into another car it's just i don't know it's very similar that both bruce wayne and batman destroyed their cars trying to save people i thought that was neat because bruce wayne is a great character that we just don't get enough of in this <laughs> that's <movie>. right <laughs> i i actually love that exchange afterwards where he's like talking to gordon he's 
like, oh, do you think I should go to the hospital? He's like, right. You don't Gordon's watch a lot like, of movies, do <laughs> No, but he, correct me if I'm wrong, he revealed at the end of the first movie, in not so many words, that Bruce Wayne is Batman to Gordon, right? I don't remember that happening. He says to Gordon at some point something about, it's as simple as putting a coat on a young boy's back. Oh, yeah, that's the third movie, yeah. Is oh, that what is you it? said? Oh, yeah. yeah no, I thought, was... it, I thought it did it in Batman Begins. No, that was, uh, yeah, that was Dark Knight Rises right before Batman is about to drive off and into the sunset and explode or whatever. I, I saw what that a, movie once. He survives, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to watch it next week, or later this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen next week as Bacon and Eggs discusses Dark Knight Ooh. Rises with film professional... Will Ashton from Cinemaholics. Sequel hook. Oddly. Yeah, there it is. Put that little plug in there. Be sure to subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications. Get that bell on. <laughs> oh my god, this was this is such a good freaking movie, man. It's so good. It's so good. I will. Is there anything that has not aged well for you? There are elements that for me are not what they were when I first saw it. I don't know. For me, I I was trying to find stuff, but I, I even think a lot of the CGI was used really well. Um, oh, I agree with that. Like, you know, the fact that a lot of the effects were, and like stunts were done practically, like they actually flipped cars and like exploded things. They, they, right. they blew up a whole building, like a real building. And that's where, right. that, <laughs> that's where that $180 million budget starts to sound so much more impressive. Yeah. When you think about it, like, man, they they just like they just they blew up a bunch of stuff. They sure blew up did. A hospital. Yeah, it, it, which is incredible. Even like the helicopter. So during the transport sequence, they they take down a helicopter, and that has to be CGI because they can't like tear a helicopter down um, right, from the sky. Fly those. <laughs> but they but they do end the helicopter crash with a real burning. Like so, they do this thing that I love when movies do, which is they incorporate CGI with real world elements to make to trick your brain into thinking the whole thing was real. And I think they pulled that off really well uh, there, too. Even, like, Two-Face's uh, CGI was, I think, still holds up pretty well. Like, there were some moments where I was like, oh, maybe that could have been better. But for the most part, I think they did. I think they nailed it with that. My my only thing, and I actually texted Tyler about this as I was watching it. But, like, in the scene where the Joker goes into Harvey's hospital room. And yeah. Harvey's just like, yep, this is a totally normal nurse. And then yeah. he takes off the surgical mask. He's like, it's the Joker. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that's harvey's reaction i think when he takes the mask off it's sort of like uh which also this is a, another fun interesting thing the joker's mask only covers his mouth and and batman's mask oh. covers everything but his mouth Ooh. um and the joker's mouth is like what makes him the joker right yeah. that's how you reveal i'm joker now that's right um but I felt like it was sort of like when he when he took the mask off, it was sort of like you're not one of the Joker's goons, you're the Joker. Because I yeah. think he knew obviously because the Joker had already started saying things to him that were like things a nurse wouldn't say. Yeah, I don't know. It's just such a like visceral, like convulsive reaction that he has when he takes the like when he takes the mask off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've always felt that way about that moment, too. Although I do like the headcanon that, like, yeah, that... Because we've seen before that sometimes Joker will put the Joker makeup on people. Um, yeah. Bri poor Brian again. Uh, and then... <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've never thought about it from that angle before, but I've always had that same reaction where it's like, did he not know that he was the Joker before? I, right. you know, I, I, I think my favorite, like the whole film is great, 
But I, I still think my favorite sequence is like the opening sequence, the introduction to the Joker, the bank heist. Oh my it's gosh, it's so incredibly like tight and interesting and fun and funny in a lot of ways and like thrilling and I don't know. It's it's so it's that's how you open a movie. That's that to me, you know, everything else that because I, I couldn't find a lot that I don't. That I, th that I think doesn't hold up, but the fact that when you start a movie that way, it's hard to not be immediately on board for the rest of it, you know? Oh, I know. It's amazing. You know, back to that back to that budget thing for just a second. They also yeah. managed to kill one of the only four existing IMAX cameras in the world at that time during one of the car chase scenes. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 listen, the, the, literally this, this IMDb trivia says, while filming the chase scene with the Joker and the SWAT vans, one of only four IMAX cameras in the world at that time was destroyed. Presumably all four of which were rented for this movie. Like, Yeah, of course. Um, what? what it, does it say how? No, that's all it says. I, I'm imagining they crashed a car into it. Like, Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> sounds uh, about right. Sad, sadly, a, during a, a stunt in this movie, they did uh, a stunt driver did die. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Conway... Wycliffe. Uh, it's dedicated to him as well as Heath Ledger. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was... They, they did kill one of the only IMAX cameras in the world. So they really just, like, they went full bore with the yeah. the production on this one. Also, I maybe I'm imagining this, because, so when this movie first came out on, like, DVD, because um, I watched it in theater, this, I watched this movie in theaters, and it was the only, I think it still remains the only movie where I've walked out of it thinking, I want to immediately watch this again. Like, I don't want to wait another day. I want to right. immediately, right after this, do it again. Which is a lot for like a two and a half hour movie. It is a long movie. And this is, this was the first movie where I ever felt like it was a long movie. Yeah. Where I was it's, like, I was checking my watch and I was like, oh my God, like this is taking you, forever. Did you, because there were several points of this movie where I thought it was going to I end. I thought it was over. It yeah. Kept when, going. When, when the Joker dies, I was like, this movie is over, right? Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah, like I, I think the the moment for me was like right after right after Rachel dies, and then like um we get like a kind of a montage of like Joker going throughout the city, uh and like Harvey's on the in the hospital, and I'm like yeah, oh, I was like surely so. we've only got five or ten minutes left. This is about I was to, like this is there's this about is to the be a big up. final fight, and we're gonna do or they're gonna just cut to a sequel. Like yeah, that's what I was thinking that they would just like set it up for a sequel tease or something. Like all right, to be continued in the next installment of Batman. Uh, but they just kept going and they and I mean I'm glad they did because the rest of it was still a ton of fun um, and but like yeah so sorry all of that to say it's been a really really long time since I, I got the DVDs and I went through the special features a, a lot back then um, and I remember seeing that there were parts of the uh, of like the tumbler chase sequences for like the 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 transport sequence or something that they shot in miniature um, not so like a lot of it was shot with the IMAX cameras but there yeah. were some parts of it that were shot in really miniature. i again i could just be imagining that because i it's literally been like since i was in high school when i watched those but i, I don't know i have this memory of that being the case which is interesting to me huh i'm, ch I'm checking the, the the trivia to see if that if i can if i can find that yeah i watched a lot of i don't know if you've if you checked out the special features for this but they're it, they're incredible they're so interesting there was a like a five-part series like a prequel series of uh the newscaster who gets kidnapped by the joker yeah and um yeah and so they do like a whole series of interviews with like Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Dent, and all this other stuff, and to set up the movie, um, and it ends with the bank heist that starts the movie, which is neat. On, uh, oh my god, 
god just to bring it back to imax cameras again yeah. uh this this the, the imax cameras they used for this movie took five days to render the negatives <laughs> which means there weren't dailies no that's incredible how did they make this movie? They had they must have had a lot of trust in the people operating. Oh my cameras. god. Yeah, I mean, I guess and like I said, this comes back down to to Christopher Nolan literally yeah. like Wally Pfister was Christopher Nolan's cinematography. He now has a a, sec, a different one. I think Wally retired or something. But he did all of Christopher Nolan's movies from Foundation to uh I believe Inception. And wow. so like yeah, there's some immense trust going on and like I guess, you know, you're working with such high caliber actors with with you know Christian Bale and and Heath Ledger obviously giving the performance of a lifetime. Michael Caine, yes. guys like this, it's like you just at some point you do just kind of have to trust that like the guy behind the camera, the guy directing the thing, and the guys in front of the camera all kind of have it nailed. Yeah, but five days, <laughs> five days. That's oh, that's incredible to me. Oh my like, god. And and I I think it's I mean using using those cameras was worth it I think I think they a lot of the visuals of this hold up so well and it's so beautiful this movie is I think also apparently Matt Damon turned down the role of Harvey Dent which thank God I wouldn't have liked that no I, not I at all Matt, I love Matt Damon I think he's very fun but I don't think he would have been able to to deliver on the uh, on on what we needed from Harvey Dent in this movie yeah no it just they're they're and obviously you know it's easy to say this about any movie that's like oh well uh you know there's nobody else that could have done it you can say right. that about any movie but like yeah it's, seriously it's it would have just been back. so wild to have anybody else i know oh and it's it yeah i just i love i i love i walked away from this movie loving like joker's great heath ledger's performance is amazing but i walked away from this movie thinking i just want more of two-face i felt like he was set up so well and he was such an interesting part of the movie i want more of I was genuinely hoping that we would get more of him. Like, maybe they were going to reveal that he wasn't actually dead. Right, yeah. That's what I was thinking is, like, that, that you know, he didn't die. Yeah. He's the villain in the third one. But then they were like, nope, Bane. New guy. New guy. Can't have the same Fun villain stuff. twice. Why would they do that? <laughs> Although, Scarecrow does make... Uh, a comeback in here and in the third one as well, which is very fun. I love Scarecrow. I love uh, Killian Murphy as well as Scarecrow. And so, like, having him open this film was a very So, Killian Kill Murphy is, like, they, they keep putting him in these movies as Scarecrow because he was the, like, first person to audition for the part of Batman, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he just doesn't look like Batman. And he just doesn't no. look like Batman. And Christopher Nolan was like, we, we can't use you as Batman, but, like, I want to give you a villain. Like, I want, yeah. I want you to be a villain. I want you to be in my movies. And he just loved having Killian Murphy on the set. That Killian Murphy was, like, on the set for the filming of all three movies yeah. the whole time. Just kind of hanging out, giving some input. I mean, that's the dream right there, right? And, like, what do they... <laughs> I'm what they Nolan's guy. What do they really yeah. have to do to to, to get Chris, Killian Murphy ready to play a part as Jonathan DeGrain? Give him some glasses and a bag. Like... Yeah. That's basically it. I, I do love that that he's like that through line through the series like he's the villain that pops up in every movie I think that's such a fun idea I would love to see that with more franchises where like a villain just continues to show up not even as like maybe they're a main villain once but through the rest of it they're just kind of there well in because the world. right like he's like Loki he's just the yeah, like, like Loki yeah <laughs> he's the he's the representation of Gotham's like you know kind of seedy underbelly he's not the mob but like yeah. but what he but what he does do is he communicates that like even when batman like even when these supervillains don't have like a master plan that they're working on mm. 
they are still an annoyance to Batman. Like, yeah. this is still something that's constantly going on. Yeah. Right. We're just you engaged know, in some low levels of crime at all that's times. Right. right. I love, actually, the comparison of Scarecrow to, to Loki because also Tom Hiddleston auditioned for the role of Thor and didn't get it. So it's, like, very right. similar. <laughs> Can you imagine Tom Hiddleston as Thor? I the, the, the audition tapes of him exist online, and it's like, he's given it his all, but he is not Thor. Like, visually, he's not right. Thor. Right. He's just, he's not, he's not Thor. You no. know, like, Chris well, Hemsworth him, is Thor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is Thor in, in ways that. Oh. Well, and I just and a thing a thing I love about this movie is that like at some point even the criminals don't want to claim Joker like even like. Salvatore yeah. Moroni walks up to Jim Gordon and is like, hey, can you get rid of this guy for us, please? Yeah. We have opened we... a can of worms that we do not know how to close. Yep. Which is, you know, it's fun. I've seen people analyze this movie in, in different ways. Um, there's there's a lot of people that try to claim that, like, what the Joker did was, was really good. And I think there are elements of what he did that were, like, you know, interesting to, to pick apart and be like, oh, yeah, I guess that is ultimately good. Um, I don't agree with his methods, for sure. But the fact oh, that... Oh, yeah, that, that's like the Thanos did nothing wrong mentality. Right, exactly. Right? Like, I don't like... Except he killed half of everyone. Right, like, <laughs> I don't like fully engaging in that idea. But it is interesting to see that, like, um, that that Joker, you know, he went to this to the the mob meeting and was like, "I'm gonna kill the Batman." Revealed later, I'm not gonna kill you. And like, so his idea was to go into the mob, steal half of their money, and burn it, and kill a lot of them in the process. And if you analyze the film in that regard, it's like, oh, I guess Joker was the good guy. Um, but of course, you have to erase all the parts where he like murders people. Well, his, uh, like I said, his only goal and... is to get Batman to break Batman's rules. He wants right. Batman to kill him. So, like, right. this is a no-lose situation for the Joker. Especially yeah, in that scene, it, the, the one you were talking about, where, where Bruce Wayne or Batman can't run him over with the bike. Yeah. Where, like, he and the Joker's literally standing there saying, hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. Yeah. Yep. And you you believe it because, like, that's a no-lose situation. Either A, he, he, he gets to fight Batman, or B, mm -hmm. he wins because Batman kills him. Right. Like, either way, win-win for the Joker. Win-win for Mr. J. Well, and the other cool thing about the Joker... Oh, please I don't mean, say, say Mr. J. <laughs> Mr. J. Oh, God. Are you a big Batman the Animated Series fan? Oh, of course. You know, I honestly, I don't know what I would have expected. So... <laughs> um, I just... I That can only make me think about Jared Leto. <laughs> Is the problem. Well, I'm sorry. My thing with Joker in in this regard is Batman Begins sets us up with, you know, Bruce Wayne can whoop anyone's Fortnite. Yeah. Like, he can fight ten dudes at once. Yeah. With the fury of a bat. Mm -hmm. He doesn't... There is not a single time where the Joker throws a punch at Batman. In this movie? In this movie. He beats him up with a pipe a couple times, I think. And he kicks He him. does... You're right. At the end, he does beat him up with a pipe. He also kicks him with the shoe knife at the... Uh, at, at the little party. Yeah. But I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is... Yeah. He doesn't, like... He doesn't rival Batman in hand-to-hand no. -hand combat. Anytime he does attack him, it's like cheating basically yeah he throws dogs and guards at him and then he gets a few hits in here and gets there. it yeah 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 which you know i don't i don't mind so much because i think that was the mentality of um christopher nolan when he was trying to decide on the villains for each movie is he wanted each one to feel different so like you come from raz al ghul who is you know a ninja and a, a super skilled fighter um and then you know you don't 
want to throw something very similar at Batman in the next movie. So you do someone who's a little bit more um, challenging Batman mentally and emotionally in interesting ways. And that's why he didn't want it because there was a lot of fan... Um, you know, feedback that people wanted the Riddler for the third Batman movie. And his response was like, why do we just want a watered down Joker? We just did the Joker already. Let's try to do something else. And that's why he was like, Bane, you know, someone who can match Batman physically in strength. Um, or overpower Batman physically. Yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Not even match, but go over it. Yeah, which which I think is an interesting mentality to have. It's, it's you know, it, I, I try to keep that in mind when I pitch sequel ideas too, which is why I was really excited that um like not to get off topic but like spider-man far from home had mysterio who's my favorite villain of all time and i pitched that because i was like yeah it's totally different from the vulture and i just used that mindset of, of personal wait who did, who did you pitch this to oh j just friends <laughs> oh okay i thought you were like sorry i called marvel and i said yeah yeah have i have you a considered jake gyllenhaal <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got kevin feige on speed dial i was like hey man hear right. me out mysterio Mysterio it hasn't been done. Yeah. Fishbowl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what more? Should I say more? I don't think <laughs> right. so. Yeah. You know who would be great to play it? Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I believe in Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> in this role. I am so excited. We'll see. I, I love it. We'll see. I'll let, I'll let us get off topic here. Scott, give us some hype about Far From Home. You, you know, like, yes. just whatever you want to say about it. Here's your floor. Here's okay. your platform. All right. Cool. So, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't right. <laughs> say. But, like, no, I love Mysterio. Here's how it ends. Yes. Let me spoil <laughs> everything for you. I have I do have theories, but I won't go into it. But I, I love Mysterio more than anything. I don't know how they're going to play Mysterio in this movie, but what I love about him is that instead of being, like, a big supervillain who, like, wants to take over the world, he's just a guy who's, like, he's just a failed actor who just wants attention and he wants to show people that he can be taken seriously and I think that's a really fun part of his character and I hope they play it that way in this movie I hope that he is just putting on a show and he wants to um, impress the public with his acting skills and he doesn't actually care about saving people or anything like that he just wants to put on a show and wants people to recognize him um, for that it, also Mysterio I was going to make a video about this at some point but Mysterio is like the reason I got into YouTube stuff because he, he is a, a filmmaker he's a special effects artist and i thought that was really interesting so i started looking into special effects and visual effects and i started editing videos and making videos and that led me down to the youtube path and it was all because i thought mysterio was really cool and now i'm here on this podcast so thanks mysterio thank you for taking the video element away yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah now i'm here on this audio podcast thanks mysterio right so you have a mysterio tattoo then uh, of course i do wait really i do not i it's you know, I, I, do, I don't know. I want a tattoo at some point, but I don't know what. But I think you put that idea in my head. Maybe I do want a Mysterio tattoo. That would be kind of neato. There are worse tattoos to get than Spider-Man related tattoos. I think you're right on that one. I have zero tattoos. Yeah. And no plans to change so, that. But Ethan has five so, tattoos hang on. and zero Spider-Man tattoos. What? How dare you? Hang on. Uh, right? Let me... Let me... So, I'm not super familiar with... Um, with Mysterio. Yes. He's the guy that basically wears a fishbowl on his head, right? Correct. And you can't Mendo. particularly see his face? Yes. Why in God's name did we reveal the actor playing him then? Because movies, oh. you need to get your money's worth when you hire a person for a, with a face. 
you got. I know, shrug but the face. I know, but like you don't need to get your money's worth. Like you're gonna get your money's worth. This movie is coming two months after Avengers Endgame. <laughs> I haven't. I've. I haven't seen the trailer for this movie. Okay, for starters. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, I refuse to watch the trailer for this movie because I'm angry about the trailer for this movie because I don't think the trailer for this movie should have been released until after Endgame happens. Oh, because it's just saying. like if you if you Marvel can't hype your new Spider-Man movie enough in the time between Endgame and it coming out, you don't yeah, deserve yeah. to make it. Like, mm. you just, you gotta, you gotta play to the reveal a little bit. Like, you know, because now we know things about Avengers Endgame. That's true. Maybe. There is a chance that Far From Home takes place before no. Infinity there's, War. There's I not, mean, it would have to take place before well, um, I, the first Spider-Man movie. Well, I, I remember Kevin Feige just outright saying it. Like, he was like, no, this takes place after Endgame. Right. <laughs> so, like, no mystery there. But, yeah, but they also were like, oh, it's definitely not called Endgame. That's true. That is true. You know what? We can't trust them. They're liars. But, like, give us right. some kind of reveal. Like, he's a villain without a face, pretty much. You could have just had him at some point just rip that helmet off. And you're like, oh, my God, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. It's well, Donnie I do Fortnite. Think, Darko. I do think there will be other twists in this movie, though, because there, there are three elemental monsters is what they're calling them in this movie, uh, which is Sandman, Hydra Man, and Molten Man. And I do think theory time, crazy fan speculation theory time, I think Mysterio is behind them all and he's just, uh, you know, he's the one creating them and controlling them and that's going to be the fun twist. Uh, because Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the whole uh, uh, incredible story, right? Exactly. The, the, a lot of people are comparing it to that. I think that's probably where they're going to go with it. I know that there are some people who think that that Mysterio is like genuinely just going to become like another mentor like Iron Man was to Spider-Man. And I would not like that if that was the case because I like Mysterio as a fun villain who just, who's tricking people into thinking he's a, he's a so, cool dude. Well, hang on then. Do we not have a shot of Jake Gyllenhaal in the costume then? No, we do. We, oh, we do? We do? Okay, so yeah. why is everybody using these weird, like, just photos of, like, like headshots of Jake Gyllenhaal to advertise the fact that he is Mysterio? I don't know. That, I'm looking at a picture of him in costume. Because every picture I've costume. seen every picture I've seen so far is just, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's playing Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home, and it's just, like, him in a blue sweater. Just <laughs> that staring, is the costume. Staring... It's just my, yeah, it's just a blue sweater. It's just a, it, And it says Mysterio on it. That's, That's all the right. Yeah, it's is. just got his name right across the yeah, front. Mysterio, you haven't seen the trailer you EST don't know. 1975 <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> new york and then a fish that's all it is oh what uh huh scott's audio on my end like exploded <laughs> yeah it did that to me too <laughs> oh my bad yeah there, you no, were just it's, like it's fine. <laughs> Oh, I was saying he wore a fishbowl occasionally yeah. with the blue sweater. That's all it is. So he's just yeah. Mr. Freeze then. Pretty much. Now, is there a member of the rogues gallery of Batman you wish was in Batman Begins? Or not Batman Begins, Dark, Dark Knight. In the Dark Or Knight. the whole Dark Knight trilogy. For in the Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, so I, I, do, I do love the combination of Joker and Two-Face for the symbolism of, of, of like Joker being the two sides of the same coin. Ha ha ha. And... Um, and like reflecting the the duality of Batman and Joker, which is cool. Um, and I like that theme a lot. I think this movie was very heavy and smart with its use of themes. Whereas uh, uh, I don't think Dark Knight Rises is very good with using Talia and 
Bane, at, like, they're fine, but, like, I don't oh know. Oh, my God. I totally forgot that Talia Ogul is in Dark Knight Rises. It's such a cop-out character. <laughs> oh, it is such a cop-out character. It was like, we killed Ra- Ra's al Ghul, so now we've got his daughter. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> I think she's a fun character in the comics, but, like, I, it's just, I don't think the two of them thematically were used can, well together. Can we just briefly talk about Ra's al Ghul for a second? In yes, that, please. like, it is said that that is his name in the movie yes. and people talking about the movie still feel the need to say Raish al Ghul. So it depends on what source you get your Raish or Raz from because there is, I believe, Batman Beyond, the cartoon, has a scene where they correct the use of people say Roz, and then, like, Talia, I think, is the one who says, it's actually pronounced Raish. Common misconception. And that's all well and good if I thought anybody saying it to me had watched Batman Beyond, like, instead of Batman Begins. If we weren't yeah. literally talking about Batman, Batman Begins, and they're like, that's Raish yeah. al Ghul, and I'm like, actually, he just said it. Ken Watanabe yeah. just said I it, mean, and it's not. I I do think that ultimately, I mean, this is like rules for real life as well. When somebody tells you how to pronounce their name, you're not allowed to say, I don't think that's how you pronounce it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I agree with you there. I, I think I think if in the movie universe it's pronounced Ra's al Ghul, then like, and you're talking about that version of that right. It's like they made else, yeah. they made this choice. It's like if they had gone with Batman. Yeah. Like hi, my name is Bruce <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah. Then. Yeah, I would just say take take the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a point of contention with a lot of things. I think I you know I can I just, say I this. I forgot as a to nerd. bring it up last week, so I just wanted to say it this week. Yes, I I can say this as a nerd, and then I'll just take the heat for it if it gets a bad review or whatever. But like, I think there are a lot of. Um, like comic nerds out there who just want to prove that they're like smart or whatever or like know more about the source material so like that's right. like who that's can... a simple way for them to be like mm, actually you know right it's a yeah. it's a pissing contest yeah. right like that time that you corrected me that it's baron mordo yeah exactly like that time i mean he's not baron mordo yet yeah, I'm well <laughs> but, Fortnite aware that it's not Baron Mordo yet. But he you will pedantic be. Pedantic Fortnite. <laughs> I I actually I had a video recently where I I kind of um, made fun of pedants about language. It was very fun. I intentionally used the word irregardless at the start of a video and then I talked about it later on in the video because I was like, I'm, I said this at the start to, to bait people into leaving comments and it did not fail. I got a ton of comments from people being like, it's act- irregardless isn't actually a word and then they watched the rest of the video and I'm like, yeah, I said this to bait comments and they're like, well, never mind, you got me. It's very fun. You got, irregardless, it worked, okay? so Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, if there's I- one Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I had never heard of this word before. Pedants. Like I've heard yes. of being pedantic. It's yeah, the the nounular form of <laughs> nounular pedantic. Good, yes. good word. You seem excessively concerned with minor details and rules here. I yeah. think nounular totally. Works. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of the word I was because it's not. I mean, p- pedantic is. Yes. An adjective. Yes. Uh, but, like, uh, would pedant be an, uh, a noun? It's still an it adjective, yeah. though. Pe- pedant's a noun. Yeah. You are a pedant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It but- is described as a person who is excessively concerned with minor details and rules or with displaying academic learning. Which, by the way, sorry to say, uh, comic scholars, I don't know that I would call that academic learning. Ooh, hard disagree. 
Oh. Now, there were college courses offered in my college that were about comic books. Yes. It's yeah. a growing field, and it's very fun. Like, I, I took a class in college on fairy tales. My thought is that if it's if you can read about it in a book, you can call it academic. I mean, I sure hope so. That's what my whole channel's based around. If there are, so like, if both, somebody... <laughs> if there are both <laughs> books of it and books about it, yeah, that's academic. Because, like, sure. you can read entire non-comic book books about comic books. I, I've read yes. more comic book books about comic books books than comic books themselves yeah i i'm a, i'm quickly approaching that my whole bookshelf is just books about comics and like history and, and and psychology i have friends who i don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh with like the book series that are things like you know batman and philosophy superman and philosophy all this other all these other characters in philosophy but i have a friend uh who like writes and edits those books and they're very fun and very cool. Uh, and I I don't know. My my whole channel is based around taking comic books and superheroes and telling people that they can learn about cool things from history and science and philosophy from it. So I hope they're academic. I've, that's kind of been my whole uh, uh, brand approach. Now, Scott, are you an author? Have you written a book? I'm working on it. I'm really close. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because when I Googled you earlier, the second result to try to figure out if you did actually have a Wikipedia page that you weren't aware of and then to find yeah. your celebrity birthdays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the second, the first result is Scott Nicewander. Nice Nicewander. Yes. Nicewander. Nice Age. Yes. And the second is Scott Nicewander book. Yes. Uh, I mean, good plug, uh, realoriginsbook.com. Oh yeah, there's a, a website, the, the Real Origins of Superheroes. That's correct. I, I'm writing a whole book about the, the history of, uh, the real world history of, of superheroes. Not not the comic book. I'm not going to talk about, like, you know, Bruce Wade's parents were killed by uh, the Joe Chill. I'm gonna oh, talk so you're about... writing the, the history of magic for superheroes. I, I think so. I I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm going to take your word for it. The history of magic yes. is a book um, that purports itself to be part of the Harry Potter universe and really oh. is just a textbook about the origins of, like, ma air quote magic with, like, like a Harry Potter jacket on. Yeah, I would say that's kind of what it is. It would be like I, I just explore the. Um, it's a, it's a, it's based on a series of videos that I do on my channel, which is called the Real Origins, and it's uh yeah, it's just all about the comic book creators and like what they were going through and what caused them to create the superheroes right. they did. And that sounds absolutely fascinating. And I will Yay. absolutely not go into that expecting what I expected out of <laughs> the Harry Potter history of magic, which was a textbook about magic in the Harry. Potter universe. Oh no, that would be cool though. Because J.K. Rowling has previously written textbooks within the Harry yeah. Potter universe, and I thought this was just another one because there's a book called A History of Magic in the Harry yeah. Potter universe, and it is not that. It is actually an entire book about an exhibit at the British Museum. Interesting. I'm not gonna say JK I've Rowling never been more stop, disappointed, okay. but I've, I've <laughs> scarcely been more disappointed. I wholeheartedly Listen, I that agree with that sentiment that JK Rowling needs to stop. I'm as people who associate with the Super Carlin brothers and with Seamus Gorman, I know that we're not allowed to say that, but but but, but JK, you gotta just... It's time to stop, okay? Put the laptop away. Well, there are okay? some you questions put out, that just don't get to be You get one answered. more book. You get the Silmarillion colon, but it's about Harry Potter this time. Yes. That's the last book you can write. Yes. And I want official that desperately. Title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the official title. That's right. <laughs> Yes, I want that book, and I also want that to be the title. Yes, correct. I didn't even bother watching the latest Fantastic Beasts. I heard it was so bad. I was like, it oh, was I'm just gonna skip it. Really not. Oh, yeah, that which makes I me felt sad. bad about. It was not I love the world. Yeah, you can hear me totally ream it out on Cinemaholics podcast. <laughs> and oh gosh, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, how's 
how's life? It's pretty good. Uh, thanks for asking. Nobody really asks me that. I'm a big fan of it. Um, it's going, it's going well. How about you? How are you doing? What's going on? Life is really good. We just yeah. announced the birth of my, not birth of, but this, the, the, the pregnancy of my wife. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I believe that is the first time I've said that on this podcast. So, <laughs> Mark so it that's down. exciting. Mark it down. Um, let's see what else is going on. I don't know. Things are good. I follow you on the Instagram. Uh, shout out Scott oh. Nicewander on Instagram. Thank you. Um, now I've been following this saga. Can I ask questions about it or is it, uh, can I not? Uh, you sure can. I don't know what it is. Oh, you know exactly what saga I'm talking about. What saga is it? The Scott Conquers His Fears saga. I don't know that saga. Scott. What is... what? There's been this whole thing where you've been falling in love over the past two oh. months. Unless this is no longer a saga and I just hurt you. In which case, I'm sorry. I do, I do not think it is a saga any longer. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad. No, it's good. I think I, the, the best part about it was giving um, hope to other nerds out there. I think that was the best part about it. So I, I've kind of yes. dropped it because I didn't really want to tell people that it was no longer happening because so many right. people got hope from it. Um, right. But yeah. I, it's, it's for anyone who's out there wondering basically uh is, is this making it in is this making it into the final edit should i continue I, I, ethan's the one that edits it so yeah fantastic go ahead. uh basically it, it's just a simple little thing where th there was just like uh there was like a girl that i had a crush on and i asked her out after like years and she said yes and we went on a date and it was great uh i think just what happened was we found out we didn't actually have that much in common <laughs> right she turns out she's not a nerd <laughs> yeah i well i don't know it's it, it's not even just that because that even it doesn't matter to me like i don't know my mindset is i don't need people to have that much in common with me as long as we're both willing to like explore each other's common or not not even common interests but you know each other's interests and be like well i'm interested in this you're not but you know maybe we could do it and i'll show you why i like it and like you know that that seems fun to me i i, just, I feel like it just didn't work out like i don't know there wasn't a lot of uh back and forth there of does that make sense i don't know no yeah totally yeah but anyway I, I I just wanted to the best part about that that whole experience because I, I did talk about it on Instagram a lot was um, inspiring other people who were um, like this gives me hope which I don't know that sounds like an insult to me like what if I analyze that too much like <laughs> but you know if you can find someone yeah that's what no, it no, sounds no, no, like <laughs> no but I think at the end of the day if it, if if uh, you know other people out there it's because I know a lot of my following is uh the younger nerdy crowd who might also be uh because uh, I, I have anxiety and i'm very vocal about it and i like to talk about mm -hmm. it a lot and, and be like hey i'm dealing with this and i'm struggling with this and uh just because i want people to know that like hey we're all human and we all have our own issues and i don't want you to feel alone in this world so that's uh, yeah i think at the end of the day if that whole saga uh, inspired people, then then I'm happy for it. I wish it worked out differently, but I'm happy but, regardless. <laughs> but you're okay now, right? I'm what? You're okay now, though. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just horribly crushed inside, and I'll never find anyone to love me. But uh, other Scott, than that... Scott, <laughs> hey, don't think that way. Oh, wait, no! <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott, I believe in you. I mean, you're like, you're a handsome dude, and you're Thank smart you. and knowledgeable. You can carry on a conversation. I don't see why you should have any trouble finding love. Yeah, I. you'd say that. Uh, no, I, no, I appreciate it. I, I, I feel like I've, I've been trying to get more, um, like, again,
again, trying to inspire my the people who, who follow me by trying to, you know, pay myself some compliments here and there. So like sometimes I'll just post a pic of myself and be like, wow, I'm super cute. And like, I think it's just, I don't know, it just makes me feel confident and I hope it inspires other people. I'm not trying to be arrogant or, or vain or anything like that, but I think it helps to just point out when like, you know, to point out your own uh, uh, qualities when about you're yourself. feeling good. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why can't we just all love ourselves? You know. Yeah. That's what I say. Inspiration. I'm with that. This this feels like it took a weird turn. Are people okay with this? Does this normally happen? On oh, the, the show basically. Uh, so the, the way the show works, uh, and this is a little behind the scenes for the Ooh. listener as well. Is uh, we structure about fifty percent film talk, yeah. and then fifty percent wherever the conversation goes. So the oh, cool. the format of the show is we sit down and we we start you know really in on the these are what critics thought and this is what we think and yeah you know and that's all that's all good valuable conversation. But mm-hmm. the idea of mm-hmm. it is it's the conversation that that a uh, a group of friends has after watching a film together yeah. so you go to the movies and then you go to the coffee shop and you talk about wow I really liked how they did this with the Joker and, and that with the Joker yeah. and then that kind of devolves into sort of the, the stories and conversations that come from yeah. experiencing art I love it that's so good what did I just get into so I was going over the, the format of the show and, and the way that we create the art that we create yes. by experiencing the art others create yes it yeah. was a very pretentious art artistic conversation also to all of you people out there saying we never talk about the movie on this show suck it yeah seriously <laughs> scott's really got word we we have one one time so if yeah. you go back if you ever decide there's you want to listen a couple to the show, yeah there's no pressure to do such but if you go back and listen to the toy story 2 episode yes i think we basically like go through the stats on the movie and then us and Seamus Gorman just talk about whatever for two hours. Beautiful. I love it. T- well, so I did listen to one episode of this, which was the the Batman Begins one, just because I wanted to follow that. I wanted to see what it was going to be about and what I was getting myself into. And also I wanted to to you know continue on as like the sequel hook i do have many strong words to say about the conversation of aquaman that you guys had because i wholeheartedly disagree i I I still haven't seen it so i still have no idea what i said so what what do you disagree with well who was your guest for forgive ryan george from yeah yes i think he was talking about how he couldn't recommend the movie uh, because he didn't think it was very good. I love Aquaman. He's my favorite superhero. And look, here's the thing. That movie has flaws. I can acknowledge them. But at the end okay. of the day, I saw it twice, and I loved it, and I want to see it more. And it has a lot of great moments that made me smile and made me warm inside. And I, I did see the movie with a friend of mine who's a huge Aquaman nerd. Like, he's an Aquaman encyclopedia. And I watched it with him. And after the movie was over... I turned to him and I could tell he didn't like it, but I my first w- phrase was you cannot stop me from liking this movie. <laughs> and we had we had a big long conversation about all the things that he thought was wrong with it, but at the end of the day I was like I don't I I see the flaws, but I still had a good time. I had a good time with this movie. So, I just wanted to throw that out there for anyone who listened to that episode and hasn't seen Aquaman and they're like, "Well, maybe I shouldn't watch it." You should watch it. It's good. Is it flawless though? Is it fun? Yes, I think so. So there you go. That's my two cents. There you go. That's your two cents. Movie tickets are way more than two cents. You're going to really That's have to true. help I, them out on Thankfully, that <laughs> I did. To, all right. Full disclosure. I didn't pay to see it. I got. Oh. I, I had a couple. I, the two times I watched it were like 
um, what are they called? Like influencer screenings or whatever, press screenings. So yeah, full whatever. disclosure, yeah. throw that out <laughs> there. I, yeah, I, get I was, I was wined yeah. and dined. That's why I love it. They bought my influence. Yeah, I mean, you also have a YouTube channel about media, specifically superhero media. That's true. You got paid to see it. Whether or not they like they paid you money to watch Aquaman, it's like you're getting paid to see Aquaman. Like, well, I didn't make a video about it because I don't do reviews. So they, you know, I didn't. You know, it's weird. Aquaman's my favorite superhero, and I had years in preparation knowing that there was going to be an Aquaman movie. And you would think in like I would write down somewhere to do an Aquaman video in December of 2018 when the movie was coming out that I knew about years in advance. I just didn't do anything. I just well because i mean an aquaman video at that point was just gonna be noise anyway that's because true people like and and this is true about like especially with these cceu movies like people have their minds made up about them already yeah yeah i'm i'm willing to be swayed i have not seen aquaman. yeah but john q taxpayer is not willing <laughs> to be swayed by aquaman like your average film yeah. fan it, it doesn't give a flying fart about Aquaman. And I'm not <laughs> I mean, saying there's anything wrong with, with loving Aquaman. I'm just saying that like he's definitely not like the big ticket hero. You say no, that. That's Spider Man. But Aquaman is breaking lots of boxes. Yeah, Aquaman is records. breaking breaking he he's got the D C record right now. Yeah. And you know, Iron Man wasn't anybody in two thousand eight. I think that's what that's why I like and, and I want D C to move into that direction. Uh, and they tried with like Suicide Squad where they tried to take characters that people didn't really know a lot about and like mold them into something cool and they that, failed th but that was too far that was going guardians and they yes. failed. Well, and yes, the thing yes. is is dc's figured out with with aquaman and and before that with wonder woman dc's figured mm -hmm. out that like marvel's gonna do all the work for them marvel's gonna get yeah. your average human being excited to see another superman movie so all you have to do is make a movie that doesn't completely suck that's what frustrates me about a lot of the dc movies is i love wonder woman and i love aquaman because both of those movies for the most part stand on their own they're not a part like they're technically a part of a bigger franchise but you don't have to read them as such whereas something like suicide squad is so clearly like this is set in the dceu here's batman here's the flash you know it's like i don't just give me a good movie with good characters and i mean i love loved Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman uh, was one of the only movies that I've cried during, and I loved it. This is shocking. Yeah. Scott, you, listen, don't yeah. take this the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You strike me as a crier. I do. I am a crier, but hardly at any. Only at like a handful of movies, and they're not even. I like cry. Good I cr yeah. I, I cry. Don't not during any sort of real life moments. Yeah. Like nothing makes me cry in my real life. Yeah. I same. cry at freaking Geico commercials though. Oh man. Like if you could get me in thirty seconds, you got me good. There's not a movie out there that I've seen recently that was good. That yeah. didn't make me cry. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think the only... All right, so I can only think of three movies that have made me cry. I'm sure there's been more. Wonder Woman, like I said, was one of them. Um, Before that was Treasure Planet, but don't ask me why. Because uh, I can't... It was, it's not even... I haven't seen that movie in ages, um, and I don't think it holds up. But the the <laughs> only other the only other movie recently was Spider Verse. Spider Verse was was the one where I was. They had the Stan Lee cameos, and I was like, Oh God, it's oh no, here it comes, and I here it comes. I cried. I let out many oh, tears. Yeah. I cry at movies 
all the time. Mm-hmm. Like people have been like, "Oh, you, are you going to go see a dog's journey home?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not going to. Why would I subject <laughs> myself to that? Why would I do that?" That's walking into a movie theater and being like, "I would like to weep for the next hour and 45 minutes. Thank you." <laughs> I just want to watch a cute dog on screen. Sorry, yes. Can yeah. I get your largest water, please? I'm going to dehydrate the crap out of myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I think Toy Story three. I was misty eyed, but I didn't cry. Um, but that was close. I was really close on that one. I can't remember any other movies. I uh, yeah, all the time. Have you ever seen any other movies? Uh, only only superhero. I, yeah, I, I was gonna say if you only watch superhero else. movies, you might be that might make a little bit of sense. Yeah. Well, hold on. But you've seen you've seen Star Wars. Is that who's in that one? Star. <laughs> <laughs> this is the truth. When I went to, I had a, an experience I did not expect. Yeah. When I went to the Force Awakens in theaters, I remember being excited, but I like my brain was underestimating how excited my heart was. Yeah. And when the fanfare started at the beginning of Force Awakens, yeah. I sobbed. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> There's new content. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever cried at a Star Wars movie. I, I've loved them. Yeah, uh, I haven't cried at a Star Wars movie. <laughs> I, but, I mean, like, I actually just made a controversial tweet the other day where I said that I loved The Last Jedi. And, of course, you can't say that on the internet. People will eat oh, you alive. You are but... in a safe space for loving okay, The Last Jedi. Thank goodness. I, yeah, I love yeah. The Last Jedi. Uh, yeah. Also, I love the I way that it's... you just said, controversial tweet. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should well, like grab that soundbite and make it like a segment on yeah. the show. <laughs> Please do. I, I I do demand royalties though if that uh, happens. Uh, hey, uh, as soon as no. we as soon as we start making them, we'll get them to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon like, as we no, are paid I, I per would, episode, we'll talk about that. I just talked about. I just made a tweet about how much I how much I like really loved the Last Jedi, and of course you can't say that on the internet because people will eat you alive, and they did, and. There are some people who are like, I agree, but for the most part, the most vocal people are like, it's not even worthy of um the the word movie. It's it's just garbage. It's just not true. It's just erroneous in all accounts. Yeah, we just. Dark Knight has a large, unnecessary side quest in it, and it's still great. Yeah. I I hate the word unnecessary, because it's like, if it fits the theme of the movie, then, like, you know, I think it works. So... I the first time I watched The Last Jedi, I was like, that was okay. But then it was after the second time I watched it, I was like, oh no, that this is really good. Like this is I didn't realize this how good cool. this was. Yeah, like they're they're so they, they just play into the theme of like loss and progression really well and everything that the heroes do, they think they're one step ahead or they think they're gonna get away and they just don't and it's it's heartbreaking and sad and, 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 and beautiful and I love it. And it's frustrating, but in a good way. It's challenge and i think that's fun this podcast was about the last jedi right no we already did that one <laughs> oh okay sorry my bad actually I, I did not do that one but oh yeah i did that one without you i forgot that yeah you and ben carlin yeah. that's my brother he no longer likes the last jedi really yeah he's decided he hates the last jedi since well hates is hates maybe a strong word why i don't know because he gave yeah. up man that's fair. he gave in well hey if that's not the theme of The Last Jedi, then I don't know what it is. Wait a minute. This is some... I know this is totally unrelated, but I was scrolling through Twitter. Yeah. Rain Wilson... Here's the tweet from DC Comics. Actor hold on, Rain hold on, Wilson, hold on. Controversial tweets! That's yeah. right. <laughs> Actor Rain Wilson brings a whole new take on Lex Luthor to Rain to Reign of the Superman. Here's what he had to say about bringing the iconic villain to life. Yeah. Is Rain Wilson the new Lex Luthor? 
Um, is Reign of the Superman going to be an animated one? I've heard a lot about that, but I haven't actually looked up looked it up. It is animated, yes. Yeah. Um, I can see a cartoon drawing of Lex Luthor. Cool. That's a fun story. It's very convoluted, but uh, hopefully they'll adapt it in an interesting way. I will say this, though. On the CW shows, they they're, they hired um, John Cryer to be Lex Luthor, which is very fun because he previously played uh, Lenny Luthor in Superman 4, or The Quest for Peace, and nobody remembers that movie except me because I'm making a video about it. And it's uh, it's very fun to see him like go from one Luthor to another Luthor. Uh, Wait, John Cryer, like the dude from two and a half men correct this dude's a dork yeah <laughs> like have you looked up the picture of him as lex luther he looks like the most unthreatening lex luther ever hold on hold on hold on oh yeah i'm not afraid of this guy at no all. <laughs> <laughs> he's the kind of guy that like makes you like his lex that one picture of him is like i want you to be afraid of me but it's like oh he's kind of cute though oh he's so sweet he's so adorable <laughs> oh he's a little mean. i bet his roommate has all the girls mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah his roommate's inexplicably replaced at some point with Ashton Kutcher. That's correct. <laughs> uh, it's fun, though. I actually do like a lot of the CW shows will do that. They'll take actors from previous DC stuff, and they'll they'll repurpose them for different roles. Like, um, oh, no, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, it was a Dean Cain who previously played Superman on, like, Lois and Clark, and he plays, like, Supergirl's Earth dad in that show. Or, like, uh, John Wesley Brandon Shipp. Brandon Root. Yeah, John Wesley Shipp played, uh, yeah, Brandon Brandon Ruth, another great example. Um, and John Wesley Shipp previously was the uh, the Flash on the old live action show, and now he's the Flash's dad. I think even like a S- Supergirl, I can't remember the, that actress's name, but she's plays like Supergirl's mom in the current stuff. So I don't know. They just like reusing those actors, and I think it's fun. Oh no, I'm sorry. I think Mr. Flash is my father. That's right. <laughs> I think those CW shows are such an interesting creation mm-hmm. that like like obviously when Arrow came out. If you watch Batman Begins and then Dark Knight, you're like, oh, I can definitely see exactly what they were going for with this. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is almost exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the first, I've only seen the first three seasons of Arrow. I couldn't yeah. get in a flash. I don't bother with Supergirl. Yeah. Uh, but I loved those first three seasons. There's good characters and good villains. Manu Bennett is like better as Deathstroke mm. than anyone ever could He's be. He's really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I've, I haven't watched the shows in a, a couple years just because I don't have the time to do that. Right, um, TV takes forever. They just said they finished filming, I think, the 150th episode of, of yeah, Arrow. It's incredible. I don't have 150 hours yeah, this is, for you. This is why I hate network TV. It's just too many episodes <laughs> yeah. straight up. Like, you know, like the new season of Game of Thrones is like six episodes. That's a perfect amount. Yeah, that's good for me. Yeah, like Punisher then dropped on Netflix recently, and I'm like, I liked the first season, but like, I don't know, I don't have the time to go back for another season. Like, <laughs> twelve hours of this. Yeah. Ooh. But like, I something about the the Arrow show, which I, I'm not gonna be the first person to point out um, this, but like, they just don't have many good Green Arrow villains. Like in the comics, he doesn't. And so for a couple seasons, because he's a B list superhero. (laughs) Well, he has some interesting ones, but they don't treat them very seriously. So what they did in a couple seasons was they just keep doing Batman storylines, but instead of Batman, it's green arrow and it's very right. It's like, it's it's like uh, Oliver fights Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. They do that whole storyline. I mean, this is Talia al Ghul. Yeah. It's, it's so, 
like you could tell they just kind of gave up. They're like, I guess and Green Arrow's Batman now. That's all it is. Oh, they're both rich guys. We couldn't get the rights to Batman. Yeah. So. <laughs> He's too young on Gotham. That's that's that show. I forgot. Oh gosh. There's I mean, that's the other thing too. Is like I a lot of because I'm the official comic book expert of everything of all time. On people Earth, yeah. people expect me to keep up with all the comic book shows cuz I know that there are people that do that. There are people like fans out there who can keep up with all the shows and read all the comics, but like it's hard to do that and also like run a YouTube channel where I have to make videos constantly about other things and read lots of books and interviews and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just I can only devote so much time and energy into one thing and I'm going to do the thing that makes me money more than the thing that doesn't. So Right. Yeah. I'm How you dare you? You sell I'm out. Sorry. <laughs> I want to live and survive and I mean, do things pod- other than read comic books and watch comic right. book TV shows. <laughs> exactly. I would you guys like are paying to be me a more right. well-rounded human being. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard life for a comic book nerd out here. You're expected to know everything. And if you don't, How? you're a fake fan. Oh, you're definitely a fake fan if you mm. don't know everything. Are you That's a right. Gryffindor? Gryffindors are fake fans. <laughs> I'm a Ravenclaw. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I could I could have put money on that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a follow-up question uh, on the topic of of being a comic book fan because i feel like yeah. this is a an almost inaccessible medium because there is you know these people in the comic book world that exactly what you were just talking about like, yeah. we've had this conversation with plenty of people where it's like if you are not reading everything you're oh, a yeah. fake fan oh yeah and so how do you how does one cope with that i mean say i, I feel like i've earned my way into a little bit of reasonable comic conversation i didn't think i did and then one day i was having a conversation with Derek, and i was like oh i know about this this and this and this and this and i read mm-hmm. all all of these things and i had no idea that i had read as much as i had because yeah. i feel like i've only read like maybe 40 issues of comics in my life yeah um but what what are some tips and tricks to somebody to get into comics without this that aren't the same tips and tricks people always get well, so here's something that I feel like a lot of comic book, you know, true fans or whatever don't understand is that not a lot of people have the ability to, to like get into comic books. Like, for example, there are lots of people out there who are just in places that don't have comic book shops and can't get stuff delivered to them or don't have online services and stuff like that. So being like, you need to read this is like, is asking them to do the impossible. And also, right. sometimes they just don't have money. I didn't have money growing up. So what I did was... I just read Wikipedia articles about the heroes I was interested in. I feel there like you go. I feel like that's a pretty good place to start. Um, and uh, I don't know. There are lots of. I mean, nowadays there are tons of YouTube channels out there that like recap famous comic book storylines. Uh, so that th- those are other good places to go. You can probably just look on YouTube for the exact story that you're searching for and find four or five people that have done dramatic readings of it. So you're all good there. Um, Wait, what's yeah, YouTube? I, yeah, so you, <laughs> great question. Um, uh, no, but I think I, I think um, yeah, there's a lot of great resources out there for people. If you're looking for like a specific place to start, I, I don't really have any. I think it, it varies differently. My first question is always, what heroes are you interested in, or what kind of stories are you interested in? And it varies per person. I don't want to like go out there and be like, everyone needs to read the killing joke everyone needs to read Watchmen because I feel like there are lots of people who will find that boring I think there are some people that will uh are much more interested in reading 
Um, like fun, lighthearted comics. I certainly was as a kid. My first comic books were like Cartoon Network, like Ed, Ed and Eddie comic books. Um, really? Yeah. Those were some of my first ones. And, uh, and I loved them. And, uh, yeah. So I think it's, it totally depends on, on the person. I wish I had a better answer to be like, everyone should start here. But like, I don't, it's, it's all individual preference. But, but there's also sort of, and correct me if I'm wrong here. It's not like everyone should start here, but it's also not just go out and randomly buy a book and start there i know i don't think so i think that's because like I, I remember my first time reading comic books i like wanted to read like the big you know marvel events or something like that and if i didn't have a grasp on the characters so like when i went out and read like infinity war i was like this is interesting but i don't know who these characters are or it wasn't infinity war it was infinity gauntlet but you know i was like i don't i don't know who these characters are i don't like you know so it was hard for me to what's adam warlock yeah exactly i was like what the right. heck is adam warlock like this thing like i knew i knew captain america and i knew spider-man but like i didn't know but even still a lot of the adaptations were weird like hearing hulk talk in full sentences was very strange to me um i didn't know who dr strange was but yeah i don't know it's fake it's, fan fake fan i know i know <laughs> uh, so i don't know it's you could probably the best advice I could say is like find a character you're kind of interested in Google best this character stories and uh, I'm sure there are lists out there on the internet for you I'm sure there are yeah was well, wrap up time Ethan are you well, ready to wrap it is? up well, we're, oh, oh no uh-uh not in my America no <laughs> okay well let's yeah let's at least bring it back to the movie first yeah right yeah so Batman begins or <laughs> dark Knight. fake fan. Fan, I know it's it's like messing that up is super easy. I mean, barely an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. um, That's going to also be a new segment. Just a fake fan alert. I'm going to get some air horns in here. Fake fan alert. This guy's a Gryffindor. He probably doesn't even know what Ravenclaw is. <laughs> he probably thinks Ravenclaw's colors are blue and silver. Oh. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Can we trust Gryffindor. him? Gryffindor. Can we trust him? <laughs> oh, if he did. I used to do. This is a this is a fun little fact about Dark Knight. Dark Knight was really big. Uh, Dark Knight Rises came out in 2012, right? Yes. Yeah. So in 2011, 2012 is when all of the like Batman college humor videos were coming out with where they were mm. like making fun of the voice. And I worked at a summer camp and I played Batman. And Ooh. my joke was that I would come out and just be like, <laughs> and I would just say a bunch of things and they would be completely nonsensical. <laughs> and the whole joke was that like the camp director would translate what I was saying into the daily announcements. Yes. And uh, that was a really funny joke. There. So I would get out there and I'd be like, where's Rachel? <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, absolutely, Batman. What Batman's saying, guys, if you don't understand, is everybody lights out by 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman translator. That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, can I can I leave your you and your audience with one uh, by debunking a piece of trivia from this movie? Yeah, the Dark De debunk away or bunk away, whatever the heck the yeah verb so, is. But, not, not that I mean to keep promoting the videos that I make, but oh, I made a oh video. Oh my god, you are here to promote your. This is a walking billboard for nerd sync. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so a video I made uh, a year or two ago involves um, this this one piece of trivia about this movie that I kept hearing being repeated over and over again and it's it's just not true and i was so frustrated with people saying it that i made a video debunking it but so there's that scene uh, where they blow up the hospital and joker's walking away and like there's kind of that beat 
where the explosions don't go off and he looks behind him and like he's kind of like waving his arms and then the explosions start to go off again and he gets in the bus and there's like a whole myth i don't know if you guys have heard this where um people say that 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 was like an accident they only had one shot to do it and there was something wrong with the like the triggering mechanism and heath ledger just ad just like ad-libbed or improvised that whole thing and uh in character and saved that scene um, until the explosions actually went off. Have you heard that before? I'm yeah, pretty I've, sure I've I made that up. Like, theory. I think I was the genesis of that rumor. Oh, man. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, well, <laughs> Scott has spent his life searching for you. <laughs> how dare you? Uh, first of all. No, I, what, I'm sure been... what actually happened is I heard that somewhere and then yes. just like compartmentalized it, and then passed it along as my own BS story somebody oh, sure oh sure so that i mean I, i've seen it posted around so much um and i just got really frustrated with people doing it so i made a video about it because there's this there's a first of all it's not true it's a great story and it's a great like testament to heath ledger's acting but i don't want the testament to his acting to be a false one i think i want to you know, there's so many other great moments of him acting in this movie. Let's give him credit for that and not pretend like that he well, just imp yeah. improv this whole bit. Um, there, there are special features behind the scenes features where they show that that was always meant to be. Like they did a, a cinematic with, uh, you know, like a, a very simple little CGI Joker. And that was always meant to that little beat where he, the explosions don't go off and he turns around. Uh, it was actually a safety thing. They they needed to get Heath away, like far enough away from the building, because it was a real building coming down. Um, that they they couldn't have all of the explosions go off until he was far enough away. Um, so that's that was always built in. So I'm sorry for ruining that bit of trivia for everybody. However, I will give you a bonus piece of trivia to make up for it, um, which is the fact that the top windows of the building are all CGI because the day, the night before they were going to film, film that scene, uh, somebody for some unknown reason stole the windows from that building. They what? Were, yes. Nobody knows who or why, but the top row of windows on the hospital, they exploded. Um, had to be CGI'd in because they were stolen the night before for some reason. So that's a, I think that's an even more fun piece of trivia. Greatest so heist ever. Yeah, right? Stole hospital windows. <laughs> exactly. See, I'm not just here to debunk it, uh, to debunk trivia. I'm here to supplement trivia as well. Right. So He's here to it's bunk a, it's it. It's an even right. trade. It's an even trade, yeah. Yeah, I would say that, that other amazing story being debunked yeah very much equal to you know you know stolen windows yeah <laughs> it's on the same level i think right for, oh for sure, well, for sure i mean i get where it comes from those because they you know heath ledger with everything that happened with Perfect. him related to this movie it's like there yeah. there were always going to be stories that floated around that like you know heath ledger literally died on the set all that crap yeah um, yeah, yeah and it just he made another movie after this what no he didn't yes he did there was I, there was one movie that he was like directing or something like that no. right he or... starred in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. I thought he was directing Came out in 09. I, I didn't know he starred in that one. That was I didn't made before it. this, though. It was? Yes. He died January 28th, or 20-something, 2008, the year this movie came out. He he died while this was being filmed. I was just reading about yeah. this, Dr. Parnassus. He died yeah. while it was being filmed, and they uh, came back to filming a month later, and Jude Law, Colin Farrell, and Johnny Depp uh, became who... 
Heath Ledger would have become when he traveled between different like worlds. Oh yeah. I've never even heard of this movie. Yeah, I mean you'd ha- definitely have to watch it for that to make sense. Yeah. But that is what happens and what happened. Jeez. But is it more interesting than Stolen Windows? I'm going to say if no. It is. I I mean that's a controversial tweet mm-hmm. for sure. But <laughs> Vote now. Right. <laughs> Vote now on Instagram. <laughs> um, so, now it is time to wrap up. Okay. Right, yes, Ethan? I, I guess so. Yeah. We're, we're at an hour 50. Well, we were at an hour 40, and you said it was time to wrap up. <laughs> now we're at an hour 50. It takes a little while to do this process. Um, so, Scott, we do this segment on our show where we compare the film to a breakfast food. Yes. So I'll let you be thinking about that. Oh, you know about this. Yeah, I, I listened to the previous episode. I came prepared. Oh, you, you've got something already picked out. I sure do. Okay, well, I'm not going to let you. I was going to give you time to think about it while we compared, when we talked about the villain from this movie. Now, oh. on a scale from like Tommy Lee Jones okay. as Two-Face yes. to Heath Ledger's Joker. This really falls Heath at Ledger's a Heath Ledger's Joker? Joker. I feel like it's a pretty good Heath Ledger's Joker. I feel like, yeah, I mean... About as close to Heath Ledger's Joker as you're ever going to yeah, get. Yeah, as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, we don't usually rank heroes, but I'm curious, how does Christian Bale's Batman score up against other cinematic heroes Ooh, to you? That's a good one. Um, because I... As much as I, to me, Joker seems to be more of the protagonist, not the protagonist, but you know, like the main focal point of this movie. Batman's just kind of there. Like he, he doesn't. Yeah, he just kind of is happening to it. Yeah, Batman just exists in the chaos that Joker is creating, in my opinion. So I don't know. I, he strikes me as I, I hate to say it, but he he kind of feels maybe like a couple steps above um, Ben Affleck's like Daredevil or something like that. Like, oh, come on, don't I'm be that. I'm sorry, man. but like that's all right. How about this thing? He feels... I don't know. You know what? I stand by it. That's what I said the first oh, time. Gosh. I'm, I'm locking it in. Final answer. Golly. I will say Hold on. Do you love Ben Affleck's Daredevil? Uh, no. But what I mean by that is I just don't find... Because, like, all right, Batman's pretty good in this. But I don't think he's... I think the part of this movie that people remember is not the Batman parts. It's everything else. Like... Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. He Batman just kind of... I will, yeah, I will say where the story sort of falls short for me, this is agreeing with you, Scott, is there's like this implied chemistry between Bruce and all these other characters that just isn't there. Mm-hmm. I think him and Fox mm. work well together, but like they talk a lot about the trio of like Gordon. Yeah, I'll say this. Dent and batman yeah and it like it just doesn't feel like it's really there to me all right it feels like it's there because they're telling me it is i have a better comparison then i'm gonna compare the batman in this movie to thor from thor the dark world i knew that's what you were going to say yeah (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's probably a better comparison because again like there's this implied chemistry between like thor and natalie portman's character jane foster i knew it i'm a real fan yeah um, wow that's like a real comic thing right thank you so much <laughs> not rachel dawes or anything <laughs> um but yeah so and and i i feel like like again like thor isn't super memorable in that movie um, right and loki's got some great scenes loki's got film. some pretty good um and then, <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, and then I, I feel like it's very similar. That's 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 probably a more fair comparison. I'm sorry to everyone I angered when I compared him to Daredevil. I'm, I mean, I'm that sorry. was that was brutal. I'm so you sorry. You don't need to apologize. That we don't believe in apologizing here at Bacon and Eggs. That's right. Uh, there are some times well, we need you to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Scott, sounds like you've got a breakfast food all picked out. I sure do. I'm very curious. I didn't really think too much about it. It was the first thing that came to my head and I was like, let's go with it. Let's run with it. I'm going to say this is, this is cold pizza because it's, oh. it's, um, you know, Batman Begins was the hot, fresh, you know, ready to serve. Like you got it delivered and it's like, oh, this is new. This is different. This is interesting, exciting. And then dark knight is more of that um but arguably better i like cold pizza better than fresh pizza so i would say i love that I explanation i love thank that you. I, I like so. i like how you were like it is arguably better there yes. are people who will disagree yes but <laughs> look i i, I understand when i'm making a contentious statement all right <laughs> the last jedi was a good movie but um right. and then and of course dark knight is cold pizza so that's that was as far as i got in my explanation i was like ah, that's probably good enough so that is definitely is, good enough the real question is is this the best superhero movie ever made oh. hmm. what are you competing with right now scott i don't i'm just trying to think of all of them <laughs> i mean what comes to like, mind for me is it better than halle berry's Catwoman? Yes. good question yes <laughs> um. i think what comes yeah. to mind really the mcu is the only thing that has anything that will compete and you you can talk about yeah. in the superhero film genre i think you can talk about iron man black panther mm -hmm. infinity war maybe homecoming mm-hmm I will say, I mean, my favorite Guardians one. My favorite MCU movie is Winter Soldier, and I think it's really Ooh. close for me between the two of them. But I do think The Dark Knight is a little bit better than Winter Soldier, simply because I think it explores its themes better and it has uh, more interesting mm. visual elements and audio elements that kind of lend itself to, uh, you know, good artistic filmmaking. Whereas Winter Soldier is fun and I love it and it's very, it's a good spy thriller that just, it, it's very similar to this movie where like this movie is a crime drama that just so happens to have superheroes. Winter Soldier to me is Here we is go a spy with the Winter Soldier, the 1970s spy movie. Here we go again. Mm -hmm. And let's smash that <laughs> button one more time. That's what I'm saying. And it's true. And it just so happens to have superheroes in it. And I love it. And it's my favorite movie of the MCU. And, um... That, but it's really close, and I'm, I'm probably going to have to give it to The Dark Knight on that one. I think... Well, I mean, The Dark Knight is the best movie that has superheroes in it. Yeah. By, by a... In my opinion, by a wide margin. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not... Okay, that glad I we're all on the same page here before you start yeah. saying some... Fortnite! About Tom Ra Raimi's Spider-Man. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man <laughs> movies. No, 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 no. That was, that was a, a, a mistype. Those who saw in my... Uh, ooh, time for a controversial tweet. Ooh, uh, say the things, guy. <laughs> controversial tweet. Uh, I tweeted the other day that uh, there were a few contenders for best superhero film, and basically what I meant was there there are a few contenders for best superhero film in second place. Oh yeah. Uh, I think The Dark Knight very strongly holds it. I think, yeah. uh, and then I talked about uh, three of the Spider-Man films: Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Two, and uh, uh, Spider-Man: oh, Homecoming. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Spider-Verse. Sorry, no, Spider-Verse is better than Dark Knight. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. I, I actually don't agree with that. Yeah. I saw Spider-Verse. I loved it. Spider-Man is my favorite hero. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I loved the movie. I thought it was really wonderful mm. and. 
amazing and new. Uh, Ethan mm. has not seen it. The animation gives him a headache. We're not going to bug him for it. It's oh. not a uh, headache. It makes him feel sick. Whatever. I uh, know, but you just keep writing it off, and then people keep writing it off in front of me and being like, well, you're just a pussy. Go watch Spider-Verse. To be fair. Makes him feel sick. They're right. Um, <laughs> no, I, anyway, there's, I have not seen Spider-Verse, but there's no chance that a freaking animated movie about a spider pig is better than this. Uh, hard to disagree. Uh, it is not. I, I, I did not think it was better than Dark Knight. I thought I may have, we maybe would have said that walking out of the theater, but after revisiting that's Dark Knight, the, there's that's the real thing though. Is like is like people are so hot on these recent superhero movies, they need to go watch the Dark Knight again and just think about what you just said. <laughs> not you, hey, necessarily, Scott, but like your well, average. Well, I fan. just did watch the Dark Knight again. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about your average fan that is like, yeah, Avengers: Infinity War is the greatest superhero movie ever made. No one can change my mind. I haven't seen the Dark Knight in ten years. <laughs> right, and you know that's when when Dark Knight really shines is when you watch it again. Think about yeah. what and you just reminded. said, human being that isn't yeah. Scott. Well, I I will say that that a big part of why I think Dark Knight still holds up is because of the visuals. Like, I think there, you know, a lot of the Marvel stuff is super CGI heavy, and that's, I don't think that's going to age as well as people think. But uh, this movie's really good. Uh, however, for a fully animated movie, uh, like, for example... Uh, Spider-Verse, it's, uh, the visuals are incredible, and I want every single frame of that movie as a wallpaper, please. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, So, speaking of visuals aging well, we have a big board of all films we've ever reviewed. Mm -hmm. Now, at the top of that board, which is, I think, the only place we need to have this conversation, uh, stands Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. Now, if you want to talk about well-aged visuals, uh, Jurassic Park aged extremely well. There's only, like, 15 movies for 2019 so far, so we started for every year, so it's There's not a ton of options. Uh, Is The Dark Knight better than Jurassic Park? No. Really? Really? Yep. Do tell. Here's the thing about... So here's the thing about Jurassic Park. Number one, it has my favorite movie score of all time, period. Same. Um, And I think its themes are more interesting to me. Um, Plus it has dinosaurs, which are really cool. But (laughs) Batman has a dinosaur in his cave. I learned that from... That's uh, true. (laughs) Thumbnails. (laughs) Yeah, Batman does have... But he doesn't have it in Dark Knight, so loses points. Um, (laughs) But... No, I I love Jurassic Park was one of the first movies that I like loved loved and um I haven't revisited it in many years but again it the theme is incredible it's the best movie score of all time and I uh, I think I think the uh yeah the themes of that movie are are continue to grow more and more interesting to me as I get older because as a kid I'm just like ooh fun dinosaurs but as an adult I'm like oh this is a critique of capitalism interesting so <laughs> So I, for that reason, for the fact that I can continue to go revisit it and it can either be a fun dinosaur movie or like a serious critique of, of I don't, you know, see, I don't know though. That's, that's the thing though, is those were, these movies are remarkably comparable in the theme yeah. of man is his own worst enemy. Yeah. Because the Joker is a direct result of Batman being Batman and the dinosaurs True. going absolutely mental and destroying everything are a direct result of John Hammond re-engineering dinosaurs yeah but but for different reasons though right because he's doing it to make money because he's a businessman and the it, you know it's it's kind of
kind of I I'm, I don't want to get super political here because I know people hate it when I do that, but like it's very similar to like the housing market where people were like the investors of the of of Jurassic Park were like, "Oh, it's a risky it's a risky bet, but I'm going to put all my money into it." And then of course everything goes uh crazy because, you know, why would you invest in dinosaurs? It's just a bubble that's going to burst and kill you. Um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of interesting themes in that movie. It, yeah, so broad theme, yes, similar. But when you get to the nitty gritty, I think Jurassic Park is just more interesting to me in in how it tackles the. I think it's more maybe it's just because it's more blatant and more blunt about what it's trying to say, um, and it doesn't pull any punches. I don't know. I don't know. I just love it. I love Jurassic Park. Ethan, what what do you say? Long live the king, or uh, or the the Dark Knight rises. Ooh. Well, I'm not going to say oh. that the greatest superhero movie of all time <laughs> or the greatest movie of all time is The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, <laughs> no, I was, I, I was rising. I, I, I am. I do think I am. In a, I do want to go with The Dark Knight. Um, I think that it, it like, yes, Jurassic Park is an incredibly well shot movie, but I think, and, and well, you know, visual effect mm-hmm. and everything movie, but I think that there's just something extra from, from the sort of camera as a character side, so from the sort of cinematography side of this movie that you just yeah. don't get with a movie with, like Jurassic Park. That's fair. I see that. I, I, I will, I will concede that point for sure. Uh, so, I mean, that would be my, my vote but like i just want to reiterate how blessed we are to be able to have a conversation like this that like yeah. both of those to movies live in a world have been both jurassic park and the dark knight yeah yeah we live in a world where uh, both of those movies were made yes i would say <clears throat> scott I, I apologize to do this to you as our guest mm. i'm going to side with ethan oh no now it is a very close fall. i cannot yes. think of a film i would put between these two yeah i honestly cannot and that's like looking at yeah and i'm actually trying to uh i don't even remember how we finished last year all of a sudden i can't discuss i can't fathom us making a movie or making a podcast last year can't remember at all what we talked about but i'm curious how either of these films would stack up against our top or whatever our number one of last year was. Um, our number one of curious. last year, I believe, was uh, Dead Poets Society. I believe you are correct. Uh, let me Dead Poets Society for <coughs> many reasons that have nothing to do with our love for dinosaurs. amazing <laughs> dinosaurs. Right. Yeah. Okay, so our top three last year were Dead Poets Society, mm. Force Awakens, mm. and Jaws. Oh, wow. Really good. Jaws was huge for me growing Jaws up. Jaws was sure. huge for me as well. Yeah. Uh, my favorite movie of all time, though, that ranks above every single movie is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So really, we're not gonna like where we landed, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> we love Scott Pilgrim. We, yes. huge fans. It made it twenty fourth on our list. Oh, um, okay, twenty fourth of fifty eight. No, it's it's just you're dead to me, but that's fine. That um, seems honestly, really low. That does seem really low. But looking at what beat it, like I'm surprised it lost to Civil War. I'm surprised it lost to yeah. um, Deathly Hallows Part One. What? Come on. Uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, it shouldn't lose to any of those. Uh, what were we doing? So I remember in, in a wrap-up show, we had a conversation about Scott Pilgrim. I think that we just, like, I don't remember now. I think, honestly, yeah, I looking back like, at it's this, better than Return I, would of the Jedi. It, I would move it all the way up to number eight. Maybe eight or nine. So what that would put it behind is Infinity War, Holy Grail, A New Hope, Thor Ragnarok, 
Empire, Jaws, Force Awakens, Dead Poets Society. I'm good with that. Let's amend it. Thank you, guys. <laughs> well, no, that's, no, that was we my the first that was my ulterior dead. motive. <laughs> the first year list is dead. We're not. There are no amendments to the first year list. We may have made mistakes. To air is human. <laughs> to air is human. That's that's about where I would put it. Yeah. Somebody just the other day said they were going to see Scott Pilgrim, and I like I cried. Yeah. <laughs> I watch that movie every year for my birthday because I love it. So we just much. watched so got... many great movies last year. The like. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them had a hard time stacking up, and some of them got misplaced because they were part of a series, or we had a particular guest that like really pushed for it and made a convincing argument. And I don't know. I don't remember what happened with that one. I might have to go back and yeah. revisit that episode and see what we felt was I love. sort of wrong about it. I always felt bad because I never got to watch it in theaters until uh, two years ago when there was like a fan screening of it, and it was the best day of my entire life, probably. Uh, and yeah, it's a great movie. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's the best movie. I don't care what that what your list says. Mm. No, I mean I love uh, that movie. I absolutely love that movie. Mm-hmm. 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 On a binary scale, we do binary here. It's yeah. a one or a zero. Yeah. It's a one. It's a I one. mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a one. Well, anyway, so there's some controversial controversial tweet. There's some That's controversial right. opinions there. Um but yeah, we could go um, ahead and wrap this piece up. Yeah. Um how do we do that? Well, <laughs> what right. I list off a random amount of social media handles. <laughs> Ooh, Make yeah. sure you shout out our composer and graphic designer. Yep. Uh, so, Scott, where can people find you? <coughs> hey, you can find me mostly uh, the good stuff that I do is on YouTube. Just search for NerdSync. All one word, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. Uh, if you want to hear me just tweet about the dumbest things that will annoy you, uh, it's also NerdSync there, but the dumber tweets are my personal one, which is Scott Nice Wonder, and that's Twitter and Instagram. Beautiful. Love it. Well, Tyler can be found at AmeriCarlin on Instagram Twitter. I can be found at Bacon Ethan on Instagram and at Wow Now, but the O's are zeros on Twitter. Our graphics, as always, are by Vaishan Brandon at Graphite, and our music is by Andy Scott Bell, Andrew Scott Bell. He can be found at Andrew Scott Bell on all social medias at andrewscottbell.com. Um, you can buy stuff from the link down below if you want to get merch. Uh, we have that. If you want to get hats, we still have some hats left. You can go to our big cartel, bigcartel.com slash bacon and eggs media. Or if you want to become a patron of bacon and eggs and join our discord, or check out any of the other awesome rewards here we have. You can go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and that'll get you there. Five will get you 10. Mackie's back in town. Don't even know what that means, but that's okay. We're just rolling with it. This is the end of the episode. This is where I get to say whatever I want. Um, anyway, Scott, any final thoughts about the dark Knight life or anything else? Uh, uh, no, not really. I mean, I have a new video coming out on YouTube very soon. If, if people want to hear about that or not, it's fine. I'm sure they do. Go subscribe to NerdSync if you're not already. I don't know why you wouldn't be, but if you're not already, it's forgivable. You can fix that right now. There'll be a link in the doobly-doo to go subscribe to NerdSync and get all of Scott's videos. Get that bell on and uh, just, uh, you know, get them all pushed right to your thing. As long as we're talking about YouTube, youtube.com slash Media. That's where you can find my vlogs and Tyler's vlogs. There'll be one out yesterday when you see this. Hopefully, listen to this. Anyway, um, as always, I've been Ethan Edgehill. He's been Tyler Carlin. And him over there has been Scott Nicewander. Got it right. And until next time, Arrivederci. A year ago, all these uh, cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you.